welcome back. This is Our Brooklyn Bites. It's episode 83, and I'm Stephanie. And I'm Leon. And Leon, this is the first week of June. It's yes. almost summer. Yes. Hope everyone had a wonderful Memorial Day, if you're in America. <laughs> That's the kickoff of so the summer. Right. The unofficial kickoff. I, I, sort of. It's changed its meaning, I guess, over the years. Yeah. We associate with, like, barbecues now, right? Mm-hmm. And a day to honor the armed forces. Yeah, but some people don't realize that. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, I did a, a... I spent some time... Probably actually more than a week. I've been playing Borderlands. Mm. The first one. Yes, finally. So, if you've been listening and following our podcast, you've known that I've played a Borderlands game once a year. Mm-hmm. And I haven't gone in order. So, last year, uh, I think it was in July, I finished... Borderlands pre-sequel. Yes. And then the year before that, I did Borderlands 2. Right. And that was around April, May also. So now I did... I finally went back to the original. I never played it. The original Borderlands. Mm-hmm. Game of the Year edition. That's right. Which means it comes with all the extras. All yeah. the subsequent content. As far as I think, yeah, I think it's 100% complete. I think. Yeah, but Game of the Year edition for 2009... Because that's when, I guess, it came out. Yeah. It was not, like, this year. That's right. It's been a it's while. It's a little misleading, you know, Game of the Year. They're not specific about it, but... <laughs> now, are these games really Game of the Year? Or, or are they, like... Or is it just, like, a generic term they use? It's, yeah. It's when they just, say Game of the Year. They just... It really just means it comes with uh, all the extra DLC and additional content. And there's no hard rule about it. It's whatever they feel like including. Because there might be some random items that they don't include. Okay. Maybe some costume items. Maybe there was some retailer exclusives for a time. Mm. Who knows? Uh, I see. But usually it just means a game that was highly celebrated or highly uh, regarded. Okay. Getting uh, the deluxe treatment. All right. Yeah, I wonder who first started that. I wonder. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. Well... I played it on Xbox 360, so um, if anyone doesn't know, this is by Gearbox, yeah. and this is kind of where they're... They did games before this, but this is kind of like their big game, and uh, 2K published it, mm-hmm. and it's available on PS3 and Steam, or PC, yeah. and Mac also, mm-hmm. but um, unlike Part 2 and Pre-Sequel, which made it to the modern consoles... They never re-released the original game for some reason. Right. It didn't make the jump to PS4 or, yeah. or Xbox One. So, um, this game looks a little rough. Frame rate's a little bad. Mm. Uh, compared, compared to the new ones, especially. But you played the PC version, so... Yeah, which looks totally fine. Yours looked fine. Okay. So, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, the Xbox is old hardware, so I guess that's why. So, anyone who doesn't know, also, this is a first-person shooter... Slash RPG, I guess. Somewhat. Somewhat. (laughs) It's sort of like a Diablo loot game, Mm. but instead of top-down view, you're fighting from a first-person perspective, and you're sort of in this... uh, I think the best comparison is like a Mad Max sort of like... um, You're on the planet Pandora, or or in that universe, Mm -hmm. I think. I I get some of the games confused and which one's which, but... um, it's they're all interconnected. Yeah, it's like a frontier world. Yeah, it's kind of another planet where things feel, you know, you have futuristic stuff, but it just feels like you're you're in the old west to some degree. 
Yeah. Not specifically American Old West. It just feels like, you know, this is just unexplored territory. Right. Yeah, but it does feel like a little, like, apocalyptic, like, sort of thing. And uh, it's funny. So I'll start with some of the characters. You You can choose from four, I think initially four classes. Right. So I played as... In all the games, I've always picked the girl mm-hmm. because I like her. She does a lot of healing for herself and, I guess, team also, if you play as a team. And I always liked her skill tree. In this game, you get, like, um, your, as your experience goes higher, you unlock skill points. And you can and you can use those skill points to change your attributes um, and give yourself, like, special, like, magic powers, I guess. Yeah, it could you be could anything. Say, yeah. It could be improving some basic skill you've already got, or it could be just adding a new ability. Yeah. Like, yeah, like adding, like, an acid attack to your shots, or... Yeah. And uh, one of her... I, I like her because one of her skill tree items is she can self-heal when you unlock the skill tree. Mm-hmm. So I right. kind of like that idea. So this is where the, the, the RPG-ish elements come in, where it's... You know, there's a level-up system, uh-huh. and... and you know, you have a skill tree where you can choose new new things, and that's that's almost comparable to like uh, like a wizard getting a new spell or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 Of course, there are no wizards, but, <laughs> right? But um, you do have like the the warrior type who's like all guns. You mm-hmm. have the guy. Um, I think his name is Mordecai, and he has a bird that he uses as like sort of special ability. He's got a pet that he can unleash to do certain things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy has, like, a turret that he puts down in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so the girl has something called phase walking. Right. That's her, like, special ability. Well, one of the things as as you go a little further in the game is that you use your phase walking to heal yourself. Right. Which is one of those skill tree things. So that's where it comes in handy, you know, later on. You're fighting mm-hmm. a boss or something, you get hit, you can phase walk, and then during this... So the game will pause... And you start healing yourself for like a couple of seconds until you come out of the phase walk. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I wasn't too crazy about that effect, but um, it seemed to work. You know, I got through it. It's a little hard in the beginning with this character to get started. Mm-hmm. So her name is Lilith. I guess because I've played the other two games that I sort of know what this universe is like and everything. Yeah. But I guess if I never played the other two games... And I just played Borderlands like the first of its series. Number one, it's a very cell shaded look. Mm-hmm. It's very unique graphic style. Number two, it starts off almost as like a regular like. It doesn't seem that special or like this weird universe. It's like, oh, okay, this is girl. They're teaching you how to use a gun, mm. and you fight these like sort of Mad Max types characters. You know, they're like bandits. They call them, I think. Right. But once you get a little later on, and then you start exploring this world a little bit, and then you start seeing, like, the creatures are weird, and mm-hmm. it's not, like, doesn't seem like Earth or anything like that, you know? Right. Um, some of the early bosses, especially in the beginning, they are very, to me, it's still, I'm going to go back to Mad Max, because it's, like, the guys with the, uh, you know, like, the road warriors with the, the helmets on and the face mask. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they seem like just guys who are just jacked up or... Um, you know, maybe they have like a little steampunk to them or something. Mm-hmm. But later on, then you get to some weird creatures that are, you know, a little less human looking, sure. <laughs> I should say. Yeah. Uh, some of the funny names for these guys are uh, Pinky, for some of the bosses. Uh, Digit, Nine Toes is another <laughs> boss. Bonehead, uh, Roid Rage, which is, I thought was a funny one, uh, especially when you see what he looks like. There's Psycho, Sledge. 
Sledge is, uh, was that the one that was uh, like a dragon or something? Uh... I didn't. I don't recall exactly. I thought he was one of the guys in. Um, what am I thinking of? One of the towns. Okay. Like, like there's like a town. Oh like a yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That it. was him. Okay. And he kind of appears once you've um, once you've raided enough in there. Yeah. My my favorite of all of them though was Hans and Franz. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really like that. That caught me off guard because that's if if you don't know that's an old mm-hmm. reference to Saturday Night Live sure. from, I think the late 80s was yeah. that early 90s could be and uh, it's these two guys and they're both like so Hans and Franz in the Saturday Night Live was Arnold Schwarzenegger right and Dana Carvey I believe uh, it was uh, oh no he was like he was well, what they were based well, on well they were parodying Arnold Par- but, right but it was Kevin Nealon Kevin Nealon and, yeah. and, and Dana Carvey <laughs> right right so I guess that's what these guys are supposed to be, and one of them is more of like an up close attacker, like a melee attacker, and the mm-hmm. other guy's sort of um, like a, a shotgunner. From he stays a little further away. Yeah, the, the bosses are pretty standard, especially comparing it to part two and, and I guess part three of the mm-hmm. pre-sequel. Like I said, you start out with the ability to use just guns, and then uh, I think you get two weapon slots. So like each, each directional movement, you can select a different weapon. Mm-hmm. And then as you get further on, you can start equipping more weapons so you can easily switch between guns. Yeah. And it's a loot-based game. So you're constantly you're constantly looking, opening up chests and or checking weapons that enemies drop when you kill them and picking up new weapons. Um, and unlike RPGs, you can pretty much use any weapon you find. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, this character can't use like blunt objects or can't use range objects. You can use, as far as I, I know, you can use any weapon. The problem is, you don't have that many weapon slots. So even your backpack can only hold, I think in the beginning, like 12 weapons. Mm-hmm. So it's a little tricky in the beginning, you're trying to manage everything. And I find myself spending almost as much time analyzing what weapons I pick up and which one I want to use more than actually playing the game. It's almost like an equal amount of time. Yeah, you have to really like that aspect of it, though. I think that's what it is. It's like, well, this game gives you this multitude of weapons to to pick through. Yeah. And if you like that sort of thing, you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of that because it's satisfying to find. You know, like, oh, I wonder what I'm gonna find next, and is it better than what I've already got? And uh, you know, you try it out for a little while, and you think, you know, oh, maybe I like this one. Right. Because sometimes the stats look good, mm-hmm. but then when you try the gun, it may not handle the way you thought. Yeah, because there's all different attributes. Is yeah, like, maybe the reload's a little bit slower, or yeah. it'll be like um, a slower fire rate. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's more powerful, it might shoot slower, and you're used to like the semi-automatic shooting. Right. Right. So there's so many different things, and or the clip size is limited, uh-huh. or you know the zoom level is not as good as you would like. And they do it on purpose. Like there's, I don't think through my whole ex- play experience, there's never like that perfect weapon. Mm. There's always like some things you might like about it, but there's always like a weak point where you can find another gun that might have that right. weak point, like gone but they other you know there's always like there's no perfect like ideal gun there's probably uh, like a stats like calculator that they use yeah where you have they have points to spend and they 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 spend on certain attributes and then whatever you have left over is what Mm -hmm. that's true it does feel like that (laughs) according to uh, Bortle at the company I think there's like 14 million weapon combinations Uh you could possibly find in this game some of the weapons will have, like, a fire attachment or, like, an acid corrosive 
like ability. Yeah. And then you can also find like um, I don't know what they call it, but it's sort of like a, a gem or something that you can attach to your character, mm-hmm. and then they'll enhance any other of your weapons. So if if you have like um, a fire damage gem, it'll enhance fire damage on your weapon if, right. it, if it does do fire damage. So. Yeah, so it's like a, an artifact of some kind. Artifact, yeah, I think that's what they call it. Mm-hmm. It, it is first-person perspective, and there are the main missions that you go that you play through, and uh, there's like a little bit of a story, but it's not uh, anything as deep as the other games. Mm-hmm. But there's like count like there's bulletin boards in each town, and usually on the map will be represented by like an explanation point. And you can go to those for, like, side quests. And a lot of times you would want to do those side quests because if you jump towards the... Because it is sort of an open world. If you jump too forward ahead in just doing the main quest, you'll probably be too underpowered to fight enemies. Right. And that's why the side quest will kind of force you to kill enemies and build up your experience a little bit. So you're, mm-hmm. But it's totally optional. You don't have to do the side quests. Yeah, I, I mean, personally, I, I tried to do as much as I can... Because to me, it's just, you know, it's additional content, so why not? And if it helps my character, too, that's, yeah. that's good, too. So so I tend to do all that side stuff. I do, too. And then you can also sometimes get weapons. So, like, they'll give you a reward when you do it. And it's usually, like, experience and gold, or... It's always experience, but sometimes they'll give you, like, a new grenade or something, a, rocket la- a special rocket launcher. There are different rarities of weapons. Mm-hmm. There's, like, common, uncommon, and then you have, like... Uh, rare and then like legendaries or something like that right and then there's also like iridium weapons and those you get like towards the end of the game Mm. and then there's the pearlescent weapons which i have never i've never seen through the playthrough but i think when you do a second playthrough of this game because you can go through this game twice right then you start getting those and those are like even higher than legendary and those would be like the best type of weapons you can get so. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It does promote like another playthrough where basically you restart at your at your at the level that you left off. I didn't do that part when when you didn't I played. Do the second playthrough? I didn't. I didn't do the second okay. playthrough. I, fe- I thought it was just too much. I had already sunk in so many hours into the game. Yeah, right. That I um, I had had enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Temporary, at least you know, at least for then. And if I'm gonna play again, I might as well play the the sequels that I haven't played yet. So. Uh huh. But it's good that if you ever want to go back to it. Instead of just starting over from the beginning, you yeah. might like... Because these games are pretty replayable. You know, you might want to one day play it again. Right. You can just... Instead of... You know, you can still replay from the beginning, but you know the game already, so why not play it at a little harder difficulty? And then you'll start fi- finding some better weapons. Right. Or more interesting... Well, the game also supports the, you know, co-op multiplayer. So you could team up with friends and... Yeah, it does have... Yeah, and, up to uh, four player. And I think that adds some of the replayability, or at least... Some of the reason you'd want to go back in again, just to be able to, you know, get get some some mm-hmm. help with some of that stuff. You can do split screen couch co op, right? Which is up to two, and then online four player, mm-hmm. and they can help you in the missions. Now, the downside to playing online with multiplayer is you could be at a level thirty, which means the game will be balanced and the enemies will sort of be on your level. But if your player, your your teammate is only like level five Mm. they're gonna have a tough time because when you play two player the game's difficulty also increases to compensate with the extra player yeah whether whether or not they're like the same level as you 
So now, not only are you fighting like harder enemies, but you're underpowered on top of it. Because mm. the game is going to be based on whatever the highest level character is. Mm-hmm. So um, it's probably a little tricky. I didn't do that. I ne- I've never playing, played uh, multiplayer on this game before. But uh, I would imagine with all the slowdown on single player, that two player would be a, like a mess with frame rate drops. I don't know. I can't imagine mm-hmm. doing it. So there was one boss that stuck out with me besides Hans and Franz because this guy well this one was more like a side mission boss mm-hmm. and uh, it was a it was called Mothrak oh right it was a giant it was supposed to be a giant moth but it looks more like a butterfly I guess mm-hmm. and you when you so I entered the state the area where you had to light these fire poles so you light the two you go up this hill and then you light the two torches and then once you do that, that kind of like summons the beast out of the cave. Mm-hmm. And the moment I, I did it, it just, it, the, the moth came out. I didn't even realize. I saw a shadow like under my, where my uh, character was. And then the next thing I knew I was dead, like a second later. I'm like, <laughs> what just happened? Like, why did I die? Uh-huh. So I, re- you know, you, they put you back at a spawn point. And from the distance, I can see this a giant... It's called Mothrak, so it looked like Mothra from Godzilla. I mm-hmm. guess that's kind of what they're they're basing it on. You just see this giant thing just, like, slowly flying in the air. And I'm like, all right, well, this should be a piece of cake, you know. It's mm-hmm. gigantic, and it's flying. Where You know, how could it kill me? So I, used to, I would go up to it, and because it's so far away, it's in the sky, that you sort of need, like, you know, your, your normal shotgun won't work because, you know, it's a short-range weapon. Um, you know, obviously, melee attacks won't work. So you have to use, like, a pretty powerful rifle or something. Something with a good range and accuracy. Sniper bullets, I didn't have much success with because when you shoot it, it almost, like, by the time it gets to the target, the target might move. You know, it's a little hard to judge. Mm. So um, I found, like, the rifle or a submachine gun work well because it does, like, kind of like a little, like, splatter of bullets and sort of hit its target. Uh So... I started stood stood somewhere where you know I thought I had a good shot and I'm shooting at this thing and I see numbers flying off it like any role playing game would show and the numbers are very low it's like ten twenty you know mm-hmm. that's a pretty low number for a weapon and the next thing I know like I died again like instantly so I'm like well what's going on here and you know repeat the process and this time I'm like trying to figure out like what what's killing me and the, and this, I'm noticing that. The, the moth is dropping these fireballs that are just killing me with one shot. Mm-hmm. It's like one shot knocks out my shield, and then the next shot kills me. So, um, I decided to... You can get vehicles in this game. There's a guy named Scooter, and he's pretty much in the whole entire game, this character. And this guy is, uh, like, the mechanic, and he builds, like... He's sort of like the redneck sort of... Uh, I guess that's the best way. Like the uh, Larry the Cable Man, whatever his name is. That that comedian guy, he's sort of like a parody of him. All right. And he builds cars. And so there's like little spots around the towns where you can go to this uh, checkpoint thing and spawn a vehicle and get inside it. So there's a vehicle in this game where you get like a rocket on it and it's a long range weapon. Mm-hmm. So I would get on that and try to shoot the moth and still didn't have much luck. And I tried it for about two hours and it was taking a real long time. I got to one point where I found a nice spot on a hill that was almost, like, distance-wise on the same plane. And I don't know what happened, but I was on the edge of the map, and for some reason, 
I when he was firebombing me, I like I ducked underneath this like ledge and I phase walked to heal myself and when I came back up to hit him again, the moth was gone and I was like, Well, you know, where'd it go? I it flew away somewhere. Usually usually it circles above you. Mm. So I had to drive around in the car and try to find it and I noticed it it was back at its original sp- like point uh-huh. where it originally hatched from. So I started attacking the moth again and I noticed its energy like rehealed itself. So I don't know what happened if maybe the moth flew off the map and the game glitched and it regenerated. Something itself. caused it, yeah, to so respawn. At that point I was like two hours into the game and it was like two o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah. And I was like, Alright, I'm going to bed. I, I know that feeling. That's it, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. So then um you took over the game. I had you do it because you played through this game before. And you had the patience to sit there. It took you almost an hour. Well, at first, I I tried just finding a good hiding spot. We found, I think, like, yeah, like a, it looked like a shed of some kind. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I would poke my head out, take a few shots at it. Because normally it just patrols, you know, if you're not doing anything with it. If you're not actively engaged with it. It'll just kind of float around. If you're in the car, it will. But if you're on foot, it'll mm-hmm. it'll, attack it'll notice you, whether you're or right? not you're attacking it. Yeah. Well, I, I poke my head out long enough to take a few shots and then hide, and then it, it does its fireball thing. So uh, I hit it long enough for it to sort of you know be done with that salvo of of attacks, and then it, it kind of circles and gets into position again. And then, you know, I just kind of repeat that process for a while. And I went through all my ammunition, right? Yeah. All the ammo that you had on your character. Yes. Burned through it all. Probably took almost an hour. And then I went back to the, you know, the main town or the starting point, really, because mm-hmm. it was on the first map, <laughs> to to buy more ammo to try again. And I think we had gotten it down to half of its life at that point. Um, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Close to 50%. Yeah. And... I thought, well, let's hope it doesn't regenerate again, for one thing. Like, because you had ex- experienced right, that's what that I was worried about. Uh-huh. of it getting respawned. But it, we made it back to the town, bought a whole bunch of new ammo, and then got back in the car and started to head back to where, you know, where it kind of patrols. And then um, I think I think I just started taking shots at it with the vehicle, right? Yeah, that's where you decided to try the vehicle. Because you were at a good spot where you were located. It was like a high road. Yeah. Where I could sort of angle the guns of the car, which are unlimited ammo, basically. Yes, the cars are unlimited. And uh, and just hit it directly with the guns. I think it took like maybe another 10 minutes after that, and it was done. It was much quicker for some reason. I yeah. know. Yeah. So, so you did beat it. Because I was going to skip that and come back to it. Because you don't have to fight, do the stuff in order. But right. Well, the, I was going to come back to it when I, when I leveled up a little bit. But Yeah, you could, you could wait until you out-level it. Yeah. Uh, until it's like a trivial mission, basically. Yeah, right. But, you know, it turns gray. Like yeah, in, the in, mission in, status in, will be like, all right, they call it trivial because it'd be because you're so leveled up above. Yeah. Although some of the bosses, they kind of ignore that anyway, but... Uh-huh. But, yeah. um... But the nice thing is, if you do manage to beat it, you get a nice chunk of experience for beating it at your level, at the yes. right level. If you wait until you out-level it, then it's not worth as much. Mm-hmm. But if it's really troublesome, that's one way to get rid of it. Yeah. You know. Uh, so at least, yeah, at least that we were able to beat it at that level. And then it kind of blew up in midair and it scattered all of its drops. Everywhere. <laughs> somewhere. Uh-huh. And we were trying to figure out, like, well, where did it come down? Because all the stuff that it dropped would have been somewhere yeah on the ground but you know we were really far from it and you want to always you want to look 
because of, like the legendary and rare items are different colors. Mm-hmm. So you always want to look for like the blue ones or the orange ones. Yeah. So you're like driving around trying to make sure you didn't miss one. Yeah, I, I guess we found it. I think. I, I think we did. But this was a side mission, so mm-hmm. they're not going to give you... Usually, they might give you something okay, but it's never like that great of a, you know... Right. Maybe. It's all... all the, this is all randomized, so you never know what you're going to get. Mm. But um, that was probably still the hardest enemy in the whole game. Really? That I played, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Not including the Cromorags, right? <laughs> uh, I didn't get to that yet. But um, what we'll talk about. <laughs> talk about that creature. Uh-huh. So this is still, like, the main game. And uh, so you talked about the car. I, the problem with the cars is that they're very difficult to control. And I don't. they weren't much easier in the later two versions of the Borderlands games either. But um, I don't know. I always have trouble controlling them and finding myself going over cliffs mm. <laughs> and killing myself. They're not the greatest. Or in this one, I noticed I used to, I would get jammed on a lot of things where I would kind of, because, you know, you're on like a desert type of area a lot of the time mm-hmm. and you might hit a rock and my wheels would get caught on a rock and like either flip over or just the graphics would glitch and my car just wouldn't move. Mm. Yeah. Well, you might bottom out on the rock where your car, the body of the car is on the rock and then the tires aren't touching the ground. Maybe that's what happens a lot. So you can't, you can't like pull away from it. So what I didn't know until like I practically finished the game Mm. was you can get out of your car and I I knew that you can flip your car over. So if your car does flip, you can just push it back. But what I didn't know is that if your car gets like jammed in a rock or wedged between like two objects or something... You can use a melee attack, and that'll push your car, like, forward. Give it, like, a nudge. Uh-huh. And I didn't know that until, like, the very end when I decided to read the manual of the book. Nice. So that probably would have saved me a lot of time of leaving my... Ditching my vehicle because I couldn't use it anymore. Mm-hmm. And having to run back and find another vehicle. So I wish I would have known that. Because in the later games, I don't remember having that option available. So mm-hmm. this was something only in Borderlands 1. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, an unfortunate thing. Also, uh, you know, I mentioned the Iridian gun guns. These are these are special because they're these guns are, are not powered by bullets. They're like this uh, energy. Mm-hmm. Iridium is like um, an energy found in like these crystals and stuff. So you have an infinite amount of ammo on these weapons, but they have like a, a warm up. So. As as the ammo is regenerating on the gun, you know, you can only take, like, two or three fires from it. And then you have to wait for the bar to refill itself. Mm-hmm. So I don't find them to be that useful. I think you said you didn't even use those weapons at all? Not really. Okay. It's just because, yeah, it's limited shots. Yeah. I might use them just to sort of extend my ammunition, mm-hmm. you know? So if I have limited ammo on my other guns, I'll use I'll use one of those rifles while I could. And then once they're sort of depleted, I'll switch back to another gun and then let it ge- regenerate. Okay. So it's just kind of a way to maybe milk my my ammo a little more before I have to go and refill. Right. If I'm not finding, finding enough on the way or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how do you feel about this game's use of midgets? <laughs> do you find it offensive? Uh, I'm not personally offended, but... It, they do call them like midget bandit or yeah, it does badass seem, midget. We'll call it. I don't know if it's. Uh, I don't. 
I, I guess I'm missing the joke a little bit. <laughs> like, like I'm I, not sure. I'm not sure if there's I, I, a joke there or if it's just. I feel like there. It's just present a a like in a sort of world where like all these misfits are left over because you have these guys called psychos and uh they wear these like masks and they're on the cover of the box they have a mask on and they're just crazy they have no shirt and they'll run right at you like they're kamikaze sometimes Mm -hmm. they'll just you know blow themselves up in front of you if they're low on health they uh they'll try to blow themselves up with you yeah and they also scream uh strip the flesh salt the wound a yeah, lot you that, hear that phrase that is their that is one of their slogans yeah they're not the brightest enemies <laughs> mm-hmm. but um that's just one ca- one of the cast of characters but like the midgets are definitely well used in the game as well mm-hmm. sometimes they're hiding in the loot chests sometimes oh, right. they'll open one up and the midget will pop out and they're usually very fast they're they're smaller and faster so they're a little bit tougher to hit mm-hmm. um and then like you'll have some of the Harder enemies are called, they call them badasses because they have usually a, a harder meter, like a bigger life meter. Right. And they're usually more aggressive with their weapons. Interesting groups of enemies. Towards the end of the game, you start getting some uh, even tougher enemies. They had these guys called Lancers. Mm-hmm. And these guys are more like, um, these are more like human looking, like army guys. They'll have armor on. One of the guys has a big shield that, like a riot shield, in mm-hmm. front of them. And these guys you can't knock out with normal bullets. You could, but it takes a lot of shots. So you often will need an elemental weapon, mm. like a corrosive or um, fire. I find worked good on them. Yeah, it's they're tough. What I would, I mean, they are shields that are separate from their bodies. So if you can get a shot in that goes around the shield, like if you can. Get, yeah. him with a, get him with a headshot. It, it is accurate or, like that. Yeah, if you can get a headshot with him in the leg or, or, or shoot him in or the foot him. or, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. Like, whatever it takes to get around that shield, then then that's one way to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it depends. But, yeah, if you have something that can eat shields, then that's good, too. Yeah. And the one thing I noticed about those guys is that they have walkie-talkies, sort of. Mm-hmm. Like, their voices are as if they're talking from a walkie-talkie. It's like this muffled, right. ra- raspy voice. And it was so annoying that... Because I, I had a corrosive weapon at this point, And I used that as my main gun. And constantly, all you would hear are these guys gurgling and screaming. Because mm-hmm. they're being dissolved, I guess. Right. Yeah, you see, like, the, like their body, like, turns green. And you see it melting away. Almost. Yeah. And you just... I would just hear that over and over again. It was, like, kind of gross. Because you hear, like, that <laughs> gurgling sound of, that they were making. And I was like, ah, it's like... Yeah, I don't mind like once in a while, but to just constantly hear that every time you're fighting. Right. I thought that was annoying. Uh, Also, towards the very end of this game, you start fighting these seraphims. Mm -hmm. And this is as you're getting closer to the vault. And the vault is sort of, that's where, that's sort of the main story of where the game's going. You want to get to this vault before the time expires. Mm -hmm. It's like opened, I don't know, I think once every hundred years or something like that. You know, you have access to the vault. So, uh, you're on this way, and there's all these angels protecting this vault, right? You don't know why, but these angels are even protecting it from other enemies, too. Mm-hmm. So, you'll often see, like, these Lancer guys, who are also trying to get the, the vault, they're fighting these angels, too. And now you're, like, the third party going in, and now you have, like, all three of you all fighting each other. But the angels were cool. They, they had... Um, they reminded me of the Diablo angels. Very similar. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they borrowed some of that, maybe. But um, they're, you know, more mystical creature-like. Some of them uh, would shoot, like, fireballs. You know, it wasn't, like, traditional, you know, machine guns or anything. These are, like, mm-hmm. creatures. 
So I kind of like those characters. Yeah, they're very... I like some of the scenery, too, towards the end of the game. It's more mystical. Some of them feel like they're almost made of, like, crystal or something. And when you shoot them, they kind of break apart into pieces. Some of them do. Yeah, I use, I, I use the Iridium weapons a lot on them. Mm-hmm. Only because the Sniper Iridium weapon had a really good accuracy and killed them with, like, two shots. Mm. So I would often snipe them from a distance. And the only downside is, if you snipe them too quick... They don't kill off the Lancers, and now you have to fight the Lancers. <laughs> if you let the battle go on a little bit, if you take your time, they'll kind of, like, weaken each other, and yeah. then you can go in and kind of, like, clean up. You gotta decide how you want to do that. I know, yeah. I wonder if they made those weapons. Is that, are those, is that what that's supposed to be? It's like, those are their weapons? The Iridium weapons? Yeah. I don't know. They might have... I think they did explain it, and mm. I didn't pay attention. <laughs> okay. I tend to skip over a lot of dialogue. Uh-huh. There is... A, Quite a bit of di- if you include the side missions, there's a lot of dialogue because there's some missions where, uh, and this is how the game sort of gets stretched out from being like an hour game to a 30 hour game mm-hmm. because they'll be called I call them fetch quests where it's you know you'll talk to someone and they say oh find these five echo recordings sure. and echo recordings are like these little journals and they're scattered throughout the, the map and you'll have a check like a check mark of like five. And you look at your map, and it shows you where one of them is. You can go there and go... F- you have to find it, first of all. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, usually it's in a hidden spot on the... You know, it'll tell you, like, generally where it is, but then you have to... Like, is it hidden under something, or is it on top of something? You have to climb to get it. And sometimes you just, And every time you get the echo recording, you have to listen... To, well, you don't have to listen to it, but it usually plays. Yeah. And uh, they'll tell you a little bit of side story. So, I don't know, I kind of don't look, pay attention too close to that stuff, but mm-hmm. I do those missions just for the experience. Yeah. But that's how they stretch out the game, because there's a lot of that stuff. A lot of side side fetch quests. Uh, yeah, that's why I, t- I try to load up as much as I can, and this way I try to knock them all out as I, as I go through the map. The best thing to do, yeah, is to unlock all your side quests, and then when you do your main missions, hopefully... You'll have like three or four quests on that same map that you can do all at once, mm-hmm. rather than kind of backtracking and saying, "Oh, I have to go back to that place I just went to," right? And yeah. do that again and, and find that mission. Try to be more efficient. Yeah, it's it's a little hard to manage, but I think feel it's like a little easier when you get later when later on in the game. But I don't know, maybe because I forget how to play this game. But <laughs> also in in like the a lot of like the dungeon areas, sort of. Uh, there'll be, this is usually like on like the boss levels, there'll be like an injured Claptrap and Claptrap is like a little robot guy and he's not really one guy. It's really like these like triangle shaped robots on a wheel, like a tricycle wheel. And they're kind of goofy. They have like a weird sense of humor and they're, they're kind of likable and like an annoying sort of way. So there'll be like one injured Claptrap on like each level and You'll, you'll hear him, like, moaning and complaining, like, oh, I'm leaking fluid, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm dying, I'm dying. And you you can help him if you want. But if you help him, it's, like, another side quest you can do. Yeah. And we usually have to, like, find, like, a healing kit for him somewhere on the level. And then if you heal that little claptrap guy, he'll give you a nice reward, which is, like, experience. And he'll also show you, uh, he'll take you to, like, a hidden spot where there's a loot chest, like a special loot chest where you can get, like, a good weapon. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and also, he gives you a backpack upgrade, so you can hold more weapons, too. That's the so, important one. Yeah, so that's kind of a big benefit to helping these little crap, claptrap guys. Mm-hmm. I think there's only maybe, like, six in the first first game. So, uh, I made sure I did those, but I might have missed one or two. I f- have a feeling mm-hmm. I didn't get them all. Okay. And and that's kind of it. There's, near right at the end, there's one final boss... And he's called the Destroyer. Mm-hmm. And this is really the one boss who's totally different than anything else in the game. Because he is gigantic. He's like the size of a mountain. Mm-hmm. And he's got tentacles and, you know, this huge mouth that shoots a laser beam. And you're fighting him, like, on an edge of a cliff. So I kept getting knocked off because one of his... One of his abilities, I think, was, like, to blow, like, blasts of air or something. I guess to purposely knock you off. So, the good thing was, even though I was getting knocked off the cliff, it would put me back to fight him again, and I didn't really... He, his health didn't regenerate, so... Mm. I didn't, didn't really make a difference if I... I think I lost some health, though, but... Um, I didn't find him to be that difficult, but I guess I was at a little higher level at that point. It could be. And, and that's kind of it for the first game. Mm. I finished it in 32 hours... And I was a level thirty six mm. on the on the main game. Do you, is there anything else you think I'm missing about the the first part of that game? Um, I don't think so. I mean, other than the second playthrough, but yeah, that's just you know completely mm-hmm. optional too. Um, yeah, I mean, I I kind of I th- I'm pretty sure I had gotten the game of the year edition too when I first got the game. Oh, okay, you played on PC. I bet I played yeah. on PC. Uh, but the content is the, the same, same, right? Okay. Um, and so I had all of the, the DLC to go with it. So I was kind of interweaving some of that stuff, too. Although I kind of I waited until I finished the main game before I hit those. Because those, those are in their own areas. So I, I kind of... The DLC, yeah. Like, so it's all... Like, all the world is connected. Mm-hmm. The Game of the Year edition came with... Uh, in the booklet, there was a fold-out map. And the map gave you, like, the Pandora world sort of thing. And it showed you, like, the islands where the DLC was. Right. And and where the main game was. So, I didn't actually know that until, like, also the end when I started flipping through the manual and I saw that. Mm-hmm. So, you don't know to go... Like, because once you learn how to fast travel... Because in the beginning, you can't fast travel. Like, you have to go from point to point. Yeah. Until you... I think you have to repair this base and turn on a generator, and then that activates flat, fast travel. So once you do that, then you can start transporting to new places, mm-hmm. and that's how you can access the DLC. But it, unless you know, like, to go to that specific one, or you know, you would never know where the DLC is. So I didn't actually do that until I actually had to look online to see, well, which one is the DLC map? Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, which is the fast travel station. Yeah. So. But yeah, so onto the DLC. The first one I did, I, I went in order of release. Mm-hmm. So the next one up would be, it's called The Zombie Island of Dr. Ned. Mm-hmm. Now, this is based on uh, that movie, the, uh, do you know what it's called? No. The Island of Dr. Moreau, okay. I believe. Is it really? Yeah. All right. So it's this whole, the whole DLC, I think all the DLCs are sort of like the play on words kind of thing. Sure. Where it's based on like a, a lot of references to movies and famous things in pop culture. Mm-hmm. So, so first of all, it's Dr. Ned and 
in the main game, there's a Dr. Zed, and Dr. Zed is the uh, guy who'll sell you, like, healing packets and shields. Mm-hmm. He's, like, the hospital guy. Yeah. But in this game, this is Dr. Zed's brother, <laughs> Dr. Ned, and he has, like, a face mask, like, a mustache mask on uh-huh. to, to not look like... And I think he even says it. He goes, if there's one thing I'm not, and it's my brother or something like that. <laughs> so, uh... Well, I guess if you take the N and you turn it on its side, right? Or it would the be, Z, yeah. it would become a Z. So. It's almost like these, these DLCs are a little, well, especially this one is like the Treehouse of Horror from The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a little goofy, a little funny, right? Um, the storylines I, th- I thought was actually better than the main game. I thought it was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you're fighting a zombie invasion on this, and it's kind of cool. Like all the enemies are zombies. There's uh, like a torso zombie, which will just be crawling on the floor. You mm-hmm. have to shoot them, like, you have to look down. And There's a lot of times I was getting hit, I didn't know why. <laughs> and I look down and I see them just, like, grabbing at my legs. There's uh, just zombies that will just walk awkward, you know, the, the typical zombie walk. Mm-hmm. There's ones that spit acid at you and look kind of like running circles. There's a character in the main game, his name is TK Baja. Do you remember him? Uh, not specifically. Okay, so well, he's he's one of like the side mission guys. Okay, and he's like this this guy with like a big smile, and he wears like um uh, like a Hawaiian hat, mm-hmm. and he's got like a Hawaiian shirt on. Mm-hmm. And they bring him back in this game, but well, in the first game, I, I guess I can spoil it. In the first game, he dies in the mission. There's one part where it goes, "Oh, can you check up on my friend TK Baja?" And you go back, and you see, I guess the uh, the band has killed him, and he's like hanging from his legs and he's like all mutilated and stuff and you're mm. like oh great look what happened to him <laughs> right so now in this game he's back as like a zombie and you go into his his hut even though it's like a different island so mm-hmm. it's sort of it's sort of continuous but not really like how did he get to this to the shed <laughs> but um he's sitting there and he's like his face is kind of like you know he's like um he's a zombie he's like sitting in a chair and all he talks about is brains mm-hmm. he's like i like brains i like brains with with sprinkles, and I like brains on a, in a, with a spoon, and I, all this, like, he's just mumbling brains. Mm-hmm. So you have to find brains for him, to feed him. So, and this is a side quest. So if you snipe, if you, you can use your sniper gun, but you can use, uh, as long as you do headshots on any of the zombies, they're gonna drop, like, little brain icons. Mm-hmm. You can pick them up, and you bring, like, 50 of them to, to this TK Baja guy. And, after you give it to him, you see him, like, munching on the brains, and then he throws up, and then as he's throwing up, a weapon will come out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of like your prize for doing it. And, and then you can do it again, and, and he'll say, okay, now I want 100 brains. And then he just starts mumbling about brains. He's like, mm-hmm. I like brains in a microwave. I like, <laughs> you know, like, I like them, uh, you know, flim, 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 I don't know, whatever he said. So, uh, you can do it, like, up to, like, 250 brains. Like, it, it's a lot of like brain. the number goes up every time. Mm-hmm. And every time, you know, he eats the brains and throws up a weapon for you. So, I thought that was a funny quest. It's a little tedious, though. It's one of those things where it's a time killer because to, you know, headshot 250 enemies takes a long time. Yeah. So, but if you're just playing the other quests at the same time, you can sort of, you know, multitask. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Zed, Zed's brother would be Ned um, in the game. Uh, he was a funny character. He's sort of like the main uh, antagonist through the whole that whole mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have the the zombies. There's also the midget zombies, uh, the suicide zombies. There's one called a loot goon, and I don't know if you remember him. He was like this big 
beast-looking guy, and he carries a, a a chest on his back, like a rare chest. Uh-huh. And if you can kill him, he dies, and then, like, he, like, sort of lurches over when he dies, and you can jump on his back and open the chest <laughs> and grab any rare weapons that he was holding. Wow, I don't remember that. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, there's also one of the side quests you fight Jack O'Lantern. Mm-hmm. Which is, of course, uh, I think you go into this like cornfield and you light a couple of torches, and this guy with a pumpkin head comes out, <laughs> and it was a cool fight. I like that one. I, unfortunately, I was a little overpowered at that point, and I kind of beat him quick. I remember that one too. But uh, I thought that was really nice. There's uh, one of the missions you're fighting werewolves, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think you needed a silver bullet weapon though to beat them. Mm. I felt like I used like a burning weapon with a burning effect, and I killed them instantly. Right. You also fight uh, this guy who's like a Frankenstein, and he's one of the characters. Uh, I won't give away the whole story behind that of uh, how he becomes Frankenstein. And then you fight Ned as the final the final boss. Mm-hmm. Um, Ned is two forms. You beat him, and then he turns into this giant monster. And you gotta defeat him, too. Uh, there's also some claptrap missions in this, too, where you can mm. save claptraps. There's a funny scene... Where, uh, when you start out this, this DLC, it's a regular claptrap guy by the bulletin board when you get missions from, and then at some point the Jacob Corporation Mm. comes in, and the the Jacob Corporation makes, like, a line of guns that you can get. Yeah. And they buy out the little area, like, like they take over, and the next scene you know, you'll you'll go back to the bulletin board, and you see that claptrap tied up, and you see this, like, rich looking like claptrap guy in like a suit and monocle right and then he's like represents kind of jacob corporation uh-huh. and now he talks to you instead it's like they took over the town now i thought that was kind of funny he's like the, the gentleman claptrap yeah, yeah he's got a top hat yep yeah right the top he's hat got a bow tie uh-huh. and like he's almost looks like he's wearing a suit yep but, but he's like a little triangle robot thing yeah yeah, yeah it's funny so I, I had i enjoyed this one the best i thought this was a good dlc mm-hmm but, um, you know, it's definitely campy, it's, it's goofy, it's fun, though. Uh, the next one up is Moxie's Underground, Underdome Riot, it's called. Mm. And this one is what I expected. It's a little disappointing. Uh, Moxie is this, uh, she looks like a Harley Quinn type of character. She's got, like, really exaggerated face makeup, sort of like um, the old-time uh, vaudeville, like, performer mm. character. Yeah. Uh, she, you know, she dresses a little sexy, too. She's got, like, the top hat. And uh, she is a little... Uh, I don't know her backstory too well, but um, in this DLC, she runs this arena where you can fight in this arena with all these other creatures and, like, you have this big crowd watching. And uh, it's basically an arena fight. Mm-hmm. And you don't get experience points, and this is why I don't like this, this too much. So you're fighting hordes of enemies. Uh, you have three sections to do. Now, the three sections have 25 rounds in each section to beat. Right. So you have to fight, like, 75 waves of enemies. Mm-hmm. And that could take a long time. <laughs> I played I played the first section, and I got up to round 23, and I died. I couldn't make it past it. And that was, like, an hour to do that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't bother after I re- respawned. I don't know where it reset me. I should have checked if I had to start it round 23 or is it round to like the nearest like round 20 or I think something it's the, then usually the nearest five okay I think. so i probably should have just finished it but i gave up at that point mm. um it's sort of i guess they tried their best at what 
you know, limited what they did. She kind of makes comments between each round, like, oh, look at this guy, you know, who, you know, you're a hot number, taking out all these enemies. Um, now we're going to make it even harder on you this time. You know, now guys have unlimited ammo, but you don't, or something like that. You know, it'll be like some kind of twist, or, you know, all enemies have stronger shields, but I'll make your shield weaker, or mm-hmm. your weapon will have fire, and they'll have acid, or something. I don't know, it'll be some weird... But they usually tell you before the round starts. And you have, like, a second to kind of plan out your strategy. Yeah. So I didn't really care for them. I didn't do them. Um, the DLC also adds uh, some rare weapon drops in between the, the rounds. And also a banker. So you have that little Jacobs guy in the suit and bow tie. Yeah. He's also uh, as like a banker. And he'll hold any items that you don't want to get rid of, but you don't want to sell them. Yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah, you don't want them taking up room in your inventory, but you don't want to... Maybe they're like a legendary item that you just don't want to get rid of it, or it's a, it's like a, a character mod that you don't want to get rid of. So you can give it to him, and you can always grab it at any time. Yeah, it's back. like just offline storage, basically. Yeah, yeah. I guess they forgot to add it in the original. <laughs> <laughs> so they put it in the DLC. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of it. That's That DLC is sort of a, a wash for me. I don't know. Right. I kind of skipped over it. I, I played it just for the achievements. I, I just tried to get all of the... So you uh, did all 75 rounds? Um, I think I did. Wow, okay. But it would, took a lot of repetition. And I wasn't cool. I wasn't max level yet either, so I was kind of doing it in between right. other stuff. Yeah, so that's probably... I mean, if you did do it, it's, it's, it's probably a three, four-hour DLC. The I should have said the Island of Dr. Ned. That's probably a three, four-hour DLC, maybe. Mm. Uh, the next one up is called the Secret Armory of General Knox, mm-hmm. and this one's a lot larger of a DLC. This is probably a good six to eight hour one. Um, different, different game now. I feel like I wasn't a big fan of this one. It's a lot of focus on driving. So you have Scooter as like a main character in this one, and uh, most of the game is on long, windy roads. Yeah, you're fighting other cars. Uh, big desert areas. Um, there are giant spiders in the desert which shoot uh, like acid spit at you mm-hmm. that kill your car pretty quick because you can't. Your car has a shield, but it's a very short shield, and you can't. Unlike your character, you can't power up your car in this game. Right, makes so, sense. Uh, car, the car can't heal. Well, you, it, in other Borderlands, it can. <laughs> <laughs> well, the car can heal, but it takes a long time. Uh-huh. You have to find a safe spot, and then it's, you wait for it to regenerate. But you can get vehicle mods in later Borderlands games. Mm-hmm. So I guess in this, you know, they must have learned because it really. La- I think it really needs it. So I, I, I'm not a fan of the car driving, and that's what this game is all based on. Um, so it's a long quest because you're doing a lot of traveling. You're doing these 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 maps are huge, and you, some of the times you're finding out, well, how do I get from one point to another? Doing these roads, which have like pitfalls where you can fall down and mines that get in your way so i didn't really care for it you so you get the new vehicles which are called the monster the racer and the lancer and i mostly used the monster vehicle Mm -hmm. because it had this is the one that had the homing rocket attack on it Mm -hmm. and that came in handy but it's a little clunky it's big and clunky the car the racer is fast but has almost no weapon ability at all and then the Lancer, I believe, has a better shield or something. I I just tested it like for like a second, and I don't know. I kept with the monster vehicle mostly the whole time. Yeah, that seems it. Mm-hmm. Um, they introduce robots now. They have these 
they're not like a main enemy, but there will be some points like mini bosses. They're called Devastator, and it's like these guys in exosuits, but they look like giant robots. Mm-hmm. And and they're like sort of almost like RoboCop a little bit, where or um, the ED two hundred nine. Well, they'll say, like, you know, stop, you know, you have 30 seconds to back out of here or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, They're kind of cool, though. I liked it. You're also, there's also a side story here where these, these group of women called the Omega Assassins, and they're like uh, ninjas, like female ninjas, Mm -hmm. and they'll, as you're playing the game at random times, they'll just rocket in and, like, crash land in front of you. And you, you'll just be walking and, like, you'll see an explosion. And then the next thing you know, there's, like, six of these girls, like, attacking you at the same time. As you're fighting, like, the other enemies, too. Yeah, they just ambush you. Yeah, they ambush you. So, uh, but that's a side mission that you, you, you kind of have to go through it. Mm-hmm. So, that was kind of cool. I, I thought that was, they're sort of easy, but it was, it was kind of interesting. And uh, it is called General Knox. And General Knox is an army general, and he's guarding uh, Fort Knox. And in this Fort Knox area is a giant vault, and this vault contains hundreds and hundreds of these rare weapon chests. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you want to be there, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a vault hunter. Mm-hmm. And uh, you end up going there. You're finding a lot of lancers. Uh, the lancers are the guys with the shields. A lot of guys with, like, acid weapons, it's a lot more military type guys. Um, not too many of like the animal creatures, right? Or um, there are some of the like the the bandits and stuff, but not as many. Um, there is some. There's that guy Marcus, who's the weapons dealer. He has a lot of quests for you, um, but they're mostly like fetch missions, which adds a lot of time to this game. Where he says, "Find me like five of these things. Find me ten of these things," mm-hmm. and you have to just keep going back and forth and back and forth. Right, that could be like you know four zones away or something. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. There's there's a couple of those arena boards on here, different from the Moxie arenas, like similar though. Right. And so that's how they stretch it out into like an eight to ten hour DLC. Mm-hmm. But uh, the interesting thing is, on the final boss where you fight General Knox, he is in a giant mech suit. You know, so he's like a giant robot, you know, with him as the head. Yeah. And if you can defeat him, you get to enter his vault. And his vault is full access to, like, hundreds and hundreds of rare weapon containers. Mm. Right? It sounds awesome. And you, and you kind of mm. get a tease when you walk, after you beat him, you walk down this corridor and you see on the sides of you, like, windows. And on these windows are, like all these lockers and chests and everything and you're like wow this is like crazy right? right so you walk in and the first thing that happens is a countdown and it says you have three minutes to get out of here it's gonna explode yeah <laughs> so unfortunately you don't have a lot of time to, to look around because you have to if you can open up chests but you have to make sure you get out in time mm-hmm. so unfortunately you don't really get the opportunity to uh, I didn't really find anything great in here Mm. As, as I was hoped. I, op- I opened up a few, but... It's it w- all random. It's all random. And I didn't know there was a clock t- ticking down initially. Mm-hmm. So when I first walked in there, I was just looking around like, oh, look at this place. Like, not even moving, just like looking. Yeah. And then I saw like numbers in the corner, like on the wall, because it's not like on, on your HUD, mm-hmm. on your HUD. So I turned around, I'm like, is that a countdown? And I'm like, oh man, the countdown started. I just wasted like 40 seconds standing here. Mm-hmm. So then like after a minute and a half, uh, you'll hear a voice and it says, this place will self-destruct in 90 seconds, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So then, like, at that point, I was, you know, you have no time to manage your inventory because you can only carry, you know, yeah, eight, eight or ten weapons if you, you're lucky in addition to what you hold. So you have to go in as empty as possible. Yeah, yeah. So, did you, anything stood out for you on that one? I seem like a lot of people seem to like this DLC. I didn't like it. I thought that was one of the worst. I, I didn't care for it. Um, I kind of liked it, but, you know, I liked, I liked, I liked those soldier types of enemies. I thought they had a lot of um, variety to them. Yeah. Um, and uh, I did like I did like entering the armory just to be able to look around because that was that was cool. The armory was cool. <laughs> you, uh, do you get to go back to the armory at least two more times after that? Yeah, there are on mission, a side mission. There are missions that'll take you back there, and um, but both times you go back, there's even though it was supposed to blow up, I guess. How it's I don't know they're just making stuff up, <laughs> but uh, everything regenerates. The boss regenerates and, and the place. Yeah, let's, let's just assume yeah. they, repa- they repaired everything. <laughs> yeah, they, they took a little while, but it will reblow up again. So you yeah. still every time you go through it, it's still only three minutes to get out. Right. Well, uh, there is a pretty well known glitch in that area too. Do tell. <laughs> so there is a way to enter that vault uh, by sort of slipping through a crack in the geometry. Let's say. And uh, you're able to go in without triggering the timer. So then you're able to look around and... and um, But you would not know that unless you looked online, maybe? It just... Or just got lucky and... Because it's like some weird thing where you have to kind of duck. It and, is like, possible and to... wiggle yourself in there, sort of. You could fall through accidentally, I suppose. But, okay. I mean, obviously somebody found it at some point. Um, but, yeah, it got to be pretty well-known. A well-known exploit for the game. If okay. You, if you uh, played it repeatedly. A lot of people just took that mission and never finished it and kept it open so that they can revisit the armory and, and hopefully get newer stuff mm-hmm. each time. So Yeah, so if you do do that glitch ex, uh, exploit, then mm-hmm. you can... So you get the full access. So you'll get to travel in, like, in a special elevator. So it's almost weird that they programmed all this in there because if you played the normal way, you really don't have time to enter the elevator to go in the vault and really, like, look around the corridors and stuff. It's impossible. You can't do it in the, in the two, two and a half minutes. Yeah. But when you do that glitch, you can, and you get to see, like, all that stuff, mm-hmm. which is weird, because it's almost like they knew that people would find this. <laughs> uh, maybe why would there they was, program that in there? Maybe there was a story to it. I don't okay. know. Okay. So I didn't do that, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll get to later why I didn't do that in, in just a bit. Um, right, so after you do that... I also didn't mention there's these guys in jetpacks. Did you find those guys annoying at all? Uh, they could be annoying, yeah, because okay. you know they float around and and you do have to sort of take aim to try to get them to yeah. you know to back away. But uh, you know, I, I would try to take them out first, mm-hmm. get, get rid of them so that they're not pestering me while I'm trying to aim my shots at other guys. Yeah, but yeah, they could be annoying too. Okay, yeah, I found that sometimes the game would glitch a little bit where they would come out and I would hear them like you hear their jetpacks but I couldn't see them mm. and like the little compass thing would say on the map like there's a red dot like an enemy should be there but they weren't so um, I noticed that. and then I had like sometimes it'd be like stuck behind the wall somewhere and I would notice yeah. him like later on I'm like oh okay there he is he's like I see him like vibrating next to a wall because he's like he can't get out he's stuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. I noticed there's, there's like, quite a bit of glitches in this game mm-hmm. and uh so then the final enemy in this in this level, and he's totally optional. And like you mentioned before, it's called the Cromorax. Mm-hmm. 
This is a mission I skipped. You have to be a level 61 to fight him. Mm-hmm. He's considered an impossible boss. It's recommended that you use four of your teammates to fight it. It's a giant, giant, like, squid creature guy, like, with tentacles, and he shoots, like, maggots out that follow you. And, uh, That's he's the worst. I hate that. The maggots that yeah. follow you, right? Sure. <laughs> Squids, tentacles, I, I didn't, everything. I didn't fight him, but I, we watched videos. And uh, I know you said you, you did fight it, but uh, it looks pretty tough. You have to, like, hit certain spot on its body. And uh, it's, like, sort of a one-hit kill sort of enemy. So I, I would have liked to fight it, but I'm just... I'm only at level... Even after beating the game, I think I was at level 48 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have to do a second playthrough to get up to that that point where I'd have That's probably what it's meant for. Otherwise, just your weapons won't take any damage off, and you'll never... You'll be there for hours before you would... Mm-hmm. You would really damage that boss. So, unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't get it perfect on that one. So I went on to the next DLC, and this is the final one. And this is called Claptrap's New Robot Re- Revolution. This one I also liked very much. A lot of the story focuses around the little cute Claptrap robots. Mm-hmm. And this sort of takes a, sort of a continuation of the main story of the game. And I don't want to spoil it because you don't find out until the very end of the main story of why this revolution happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it is connected. So, uh, so as it's just, the story goes, the claptraps are now revolted, and there's like thousands of them. And they've. It starts off where there's this Hyperion army, and they're fighting off these claptrap robots, right? And you interfere, and you destroy the Hyperion army, because that's what you've done in the other missions. Like, you've fought off these armies, right? These Lancer robots, mm-hmm. these uh, Lancer enemies and stuff. So you're starting off, and you're killing these enemies. Oh, this is, like, super easy, because these guys are, uh, you know, I fought these guys in the beginning and stuff. And then, after you beat them, you go back to this town to talk to this guy, and he's like, oh, thanks a lot for destroying this army that's, like, protecting the robot revolution. Uh-huh. <laughs> he goes, now the robots took over. Like, good job. <laughs> so now you go back into this town and all these, like, uh, like these Lancer guys got converted into cyborgs. <laughs> so now you have, like, these claptrap robots, these, like, little triangle guys. They're all, um, they're fighting you. And then you have these, the humans that were converted into cyborgs. So they look like Terminators now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they're kind of, like, playing on that idea where they look like Term, like the Terminator, or they'll have like the one eye, you know, um, like robotic eye or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, pretty neat, you know. Now they're a lot tougher because they're robots, and you have to use different types of weapons because they don't. They're not affected by. Uh, I think like the shield weapon doesn't do anything, or I'm not sure, but um, you know, it's a different strategy. It's a little bit tougher. Uh, so the guy Blake, who was in charge of the Hyperion army. He was so impressed, even though you killed, he destroyed his army and you created this robot revolution, he was impressed by your skills. And he's like, so I, what I want you to do is, why don't you wipe out this robot army for me and then I'll reward you greatly for doing it. And of course, you know, you're, you work for money, so you're like, okay, I'll do it. And that's what a lot of this game is focused on. There's no driving in this DLC, which is great, because I hated the car boards. <laughs> <laughs> the maps are a little bit smaller, which is nice, too. Uh, you're Like I said, you fight those claptrap guys, and they're funny, because he's like these little small robots, but they're goofy, too. So you have one set of these guys with boxing gloves, 
and they'll run up to you and start like trying to just punch you, and you, they're kind of easy to kill. Uh-huh. And as as you're fighting them, they kind of like talk a lot. They say these like little goofy things, and and they kind of like um, when you kill them, they kind of regret it. They be like, oh, you know, kill me now or something. Um, you have clap traps uh, that look like Rambo. They'll have like the red handkerchief and like the army helmet uh-huh. with like a machine gun. Um, and then you have suicide bombers. I think they call them. I think they, that's what they are. They're like clap traps with a little time bomb on it. And they run up to you and blow up. So it's kind of cool. It reminded me of a little bit of like the Cybermen or the Daleks from um, Doctor Who. Because mm. I think there's even one scene where they they keep saying like exterminate. You know, it's like <laughs> exterminate, exterminate. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, the bosses. There weren't a lot of bosses. In this game, um, they were all recycled from other missions, from, like, the previous DLCs. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, um, General Knox, he's back. You fight, I think, one of the girls, one of the Omega Assassins. They recycled a couple. I think Dr. Doctor Ned, maybe, is one of them, too. He comes back. But they're all, like, Android versions of them. So, yep. it was kind of cool. I sure. liked it. Uh, I also found... This is the first time I found, like, a, a radically different weapon. I found a shotgun... That had re- regenerated ammo. So I could use it indefinitely. And the ammo... By the time I would run through a round of ammo, it would regenerate another um, clip. Another ammo clip. Mm. So even though it was a little bit weaker than some of the weapons I had, it, it became useful almost like on anything. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Not not much on the bosses, but on like just general enemies in the area. Mm. I don't remember, I don't remember finding anything like that. No, I never found like the pearlescent weapons and the legendary weapons. I found quite a bit. Those are like the hard to find ones. Mm-hmm. I did find a bunch of those, but uh, you know, after you beat that, it's an interesting end of the boss fight, and he was pretty tough. He was probably the second toughest boss in the game. I died a few times, other than the Cromorax, which I don't count. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, it's that's it. Hmm. So, Game over. how did you... I think I was about 60 hours into it when by the time I was done. Mm, okay. So, uh, overall, good value, do you think? Oh, totally. Like, <laughs> this game, I think I paid, like, $10 for yeah, this game. right. And you're talking, I did almost all the side missions. Not everything. 60 hours, right? Mm. There's still another playthrough you can do. And there's still a couple of side missions and a DLC, which I have to do, which is probably another 10 hours worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about like 70 hours base game, and then you can go through it a second time, you know, which is, you know, slightly different, you know, story still stays the same, but, you know, some things have changed. So you're talking about like over 100 hours of gameplay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. How can you do better than that? Mm. I love this game. I, I am a big fan. It's hard to play... Those like I talked about Diablo this year, and I was a little disappointed by it. And playing this now, I could. It's hard to go back to those old school top down loot games, like mm. loot action RPG games, because this does it so. Like, to me, it does it so well. I like the humor. I like the the graphics, the action. It's I don't know. Mm. It, it hits on all the points of games that I like. Now the thing is though, you played you played this series kind of in reverse order. Right. Because you played the newest game first, and then you kind of worked your way backwards through... I started with Part 2, and then I played the pre-sequel. Which, even though it came after 
Borderlands 2, it's a it's a prequel in the timeline. Yes. It's meant to be played afterwards anyway. Uh-huh. But, uh, but my question is, do you think... But going back to the first game now, you're kind of used to some of the improvements of like the the later yeah, games. So that's some of my complaints are a lot of the things that they improved on on the second and third games are missing in this game, and and those really make a difference. I got so like the first couple of hours was tough because mm-hmm. little things like marking your weapons in inventory, which ones you wanted to trash and which ones you want to keep was something I did constantly in the other games, and I couldn't in this one, so it was very hard to manage my inventory. And what happened was, a lot of times I was selling guns, going to the shop selling guns, and I was selling guns that I wanted to keep. Mm-hmm. Because when you would sell a gun, it would reshuffle the order of the guns on you. So you couldn't just type sell, 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 because the order of what you saw it would change every time you sell an item. It, w- it would shuffle the items for you. Yeah. So I had to, every time I sold a weapon, I had to look and make sure, am I selling the right weapon or not? And I didn't catch on to that until probably like a good 20 hours into the, my, my playtime. So mm. I, I sold a lot of good guns in the beginning by accident. <laughs> because... The, yeah. Well, the, pro- the problem I had with that, though, is that when you look at your inventory, it's, yeah. it's one view. And then when you go to the vendor, it's sorted by the type of weapon so it's a different view so the order that you see your weapons in are different depending on whether you're looking at your inventory or if you're at the vendor i you can change that on on this game okay online on the xbox when you can i'm assuming it's the same but you have to change it every time you go into that view i have to press like the right and left trigger and that resorts it (sighs) but it still shuffles it so even though like like, I think in the later games, it sorts it by value. Like, the most expensive ones yeah, on top. Yeah, But on this one, it's it's sort of... It, it just sorts it by class. So, if it's, like, a rare weapon, those will be grouped together. Legendaries are grouped together. Mm-hmm. But within that, they're just randomly sorted at that point. So, to help me sort of stay organized, what I would yeah. do is when I go to sell a weapon, it, because you couldn't mark anything, okay. I would I would just sort of say, all right... I'm going to go through, uh, like, assault rifles now. And then I go through each one trying to figure out, like, which one do I want to keep and which one do I want to sell. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll empty out all the assault rifles that I don't want to keep. And then I'll go on to, you know, like, revolvers mm-hmm. or, you know, missile launchers or whatever. And I'll do each one. Okay. And then and that's how I sort of filter. This way I make sure I don't miss anything. I, okay. I just do it by type. So that's really the only way I found it manageable. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I think by the end, by, I mean, 60 hours in, I got used to it. Mm-hmm. Not 100%, but pretty much, more or less. Yeah. But it was hard to get, like, once you know, like, the good way of doing it, then you're like, it's hard to go back to the way, mm. you know, the original way. Right. So that was something. Also, the, the way the automobile works, it's much improved in the second game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you flip over. I don't remember flipping over on the on the second or third game. Uh, or the second, I should the pre-sequel. But in the first game, you flip over. I found I was flipping over a lot, and that was really annoying and blowing up a lot. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like that. The glitches were there were times where I had to reset my game because I got stuck on a rock and I couldn't move. I was just stuck, so I had to kill myself. Right. Not that often, but you know, to happen even once was too much in my opinion. Mm. Uh, there were times where enemies would get glitched and i would see the like i mentioned the rocket jet guys but there were times i would see an enemy kind of just like shaking because <laughs> they're like in this weird area maybe next to a wall or something and for whatever reason uh maybe some points a, a, a quest didn't trigger and stuff and that happened in the other games i played too but just little things like that nothing 
nothing that would make me like want to not like this game, but definitely stuff that uh, some errors, you know, and, and the frame rate's really bad in some spots. Mm. Like it drops down to maybe. I would say 10 frames a second, maybe even five. There's mm. some points where you see one view and the next time you look, like, your view is somewhere else. And you're like, what? Where is the frames <laughs> of animation? You're like, what just happened? Limitations of the Xbox 360. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on PC it's pretty smooth. It's an older game at this point, so it can do it. Any modern machine can handle it pretty well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's... uh Definitely didn't see any technical stuff like that I would complained about. Okay, that I recall anyway. Right. Yeah. So the the Xbox One version would have been for me if I. Well, it doesn't cap happen on the first game, but you can carry your saves over. So if you buy like the Xbox One version of Borderlands Two or pre sequel, yeah, you can copy those saves over, but not for for the first Borderlands game because mm-hmm. they didn't make a, an upgraded version of that. Right. Maybe they'll bring it back. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But I enjoy. I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed the whole series. This is definitely probably a top ten game of all time for me. Mm-hmm. Not just this whole series. I just enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I could see why. You can you? <laughs> why? <laughs> why can you see that? I'm not even a first person it. shooter fan. I don't. You know, I I play Doom. You mm-hmm. know, Unreal. I play a stupid yeah games like that. But I'm not like a hardcore. You know. Like Counter Strike and right, Black Call of Duty. I'm not even. I don't even think I ever played really in the Call of Duties. You know, so maybe I should. I think the game just hits a lot of the right notes. Yeah, it, it it's got humor. It's got a personality. It's got you know the right mechanics that you like. Um, the music. Yeah, everything. Everything comes together really mm-hmm. well. So they have a good solid vision for what this this series is. Yeah, and. Um, that's what makes it fun, and hopefully, whenever the next game comes out, we'll see more of that. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. There is going to be another one, so that's why that's kind of the reason why I wanted to get this over with because mm. there is a part th- official part three coming. Yeah, and probably for not another two years. Pro- yeah, probably not. But why wait? So <laughs> uh-huh. I was like, let me do it now, and you never know what's going to happen because they could release. Who knows? Maybe they'll release like it in chunks, and mm. you know, right. Yeah, I, next year at this time. So far, this is all I've played though, and, and from the series. So I've got two more games to go. Do you feel like my thoughts mirror what you would think about it for the first series? For the first. Oh, game. so I didn't mention I left it out, but the so the whole armory thing uh-huh. about going in that Fort Knox place right. and taking all. So they tease you with the whole time limit, and you can't really ever have time to go in there, right? Unless mm. you, you do the glitch. But at the very end of the game, and I'll spoil this for you now so you don't waste your time, but at the very end, and you might even want to do this DLC first of all the DLCs, the reward for defeating all the Claptrap Revolution, and and it's funny because they call it like Viva la Claptrap or something like that, (laughs) Um, you get access to the uh, Blake, the Hyperion guy Blake, to his store, like his like his personal vault, mm-hmm. and he gives you the key to go in the basement. And you go in this basement, and it's this big room filled with like twenty five red, rare loot chests. Right. And the great thing is, you can go in there, open them all up. There's a ch- uh, a vending machine there to sell anything you don't want, and then you can leave it, come back, and it resets, and you can just go right back in and just mm-hmm. loot everything again, and just keep doing it over and over until you find a good weapon in there. <laughs> so it's an infinite. Uh-huh. It's an infinite uh, vault room. 
Okay. I did, but do you have, do you no remember catch. finding anything there, like of any value? Uh, yeah, I got, I got that. That is that where I got the regen. Um, no, I don't. Well, the thing was, I already beat the. That's when you beat the game. Uh-huh. So that's just when you go back in and get the final. I think I had one side mission to do at that point. So I didn't go back in and re- and reset it. I think I did it like three times just to see what I found. Yeah. I found a better machine gun and I think a better sniper rifle, but I didn't get to use them really because I was pretty much done with the game at that point. Mm. I just wonder if it, if it, if they include the same type of rarity of, of of weapons that you would find in the secret armory. Uh, it seemed like it. I got a legendary, I think, out of that. Okay, all right. It's, I only mostly mostly were blue and greens. And then some white. Whites are like the low lowest uh, tier weapons. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I thought it. I think I think so. But I didn't do the the glitch in the armory, so I don't know. The stuff that I found in the armory was was junk. I just that was all garbage. I sold it all. <laughs> you just didn't get lucky enough. Maybe that's what it is. Just a, it's just a giant. I did it twice. I did the army twice. It's uh, you know it's a roulette wheel. Okay. That's what you're gonna find. Yeah. Alright, so that was my game of the week, which was actually like three weeks worth of gaming. <laughs> I didn't do this one week. That was, I, I multitasked. It would have been too much. Yeah. Very nice. So I'll tell you a little bit about the game that I played. Yeah. Which was inspired by the release of a, a recent uh, Wii U title. Namely, Star Fox Zero came out recently on the Wii U. And... Um, I thought, well, it's kind of strange that I've never actually played a Star Fox game to any great degree. So I thought... You think that's strange? That's not strange anymore. It's strange. There's so many big blockbuster games that you never played. But this is what I think of as, like, one of the core Nintendo franchises. Okay. You know, that kind of... It's just a brand that's been going for a long time across multiple console generations. And you like space games. Exactly. Okay. And uh, I felt like I should have given this a shot a long time ago, but... I uh, finally went back and decided to play Star Fox for for the Super Nintendo. Okay. And <laughs> I'll I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> but uh let me give you a little intro to this first. Uh we're talking about the first Star Fox game. Star Fox Zero. No. Oh. Star Fox with nothing else after. <laughs> Just Star Fox. <laughs> Released back in uh nineteen ninety three. Uh, published by Nintendo and curiously known as Star Wing in Europe. Mm. Uh, I didn't know, know that. Didn't know that either until uh, I read up on that. I, I thought, wow, it must be weird to have like such a strong brand known as like a completely different title. But there it is. Uh, but essentially, this is you know a 3D rail shooter for the most part. I mean, you do have some limit, some movement. You control the movement of your ship, but your your mm. course is kind of predetermined and you're following a track essentially um so the setting is that in the lilat uh solar system wherever that is uh supposedly near the center of the milky way galaxy there's an evil evil scientist named andros who conducted these dangerous experiments on a planet called corneria and he was banished from the planet for all of these you know unsavory crimes and sent to another planet in the system called Venom. And he created this large military force to sort of get back at everyone and conquer the rest of the system. So it's up to, I guess, the defense force of this planet to to try to deal with him once and for all. 
And uh, this experimental fighter called the R-Wing is the type of ship that that uh, the player uses and, uh, you know, goes on to, you know, try to fight back. Uh, now, of course, the game has sort of this colorful cast of characters, <laughs> mostly anthropomorphic sort of animal creatures that are, you know, in the, in the form of, uh, you know, like a humanoid shape, basically. They remind me of the... Great Space Coaster was that the one, or there was a was from that. Remember that show when we were growing up? I think I oh blo- the Zubilee Zoo. That's I think, what it was. I think I've blocked all that out. Oh, uh, that's probably <laughs> actually that's best. <laughs> I think I went into deep hypnosis. Thing, forget it all. Smart. <laughs> Is that what that reminds you of? Yes. To, to me, they've the the renderings of these characters. For some reason, I remember like the the more realistic styles of these characters. They remind me of just like the Chuck E. Cheese cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so so you you play Fox McCloud, who is the sort of the the, the main character here, um, but you've got you know your other members of your squadron with you. Uh, you've got Falco, who's some type of bird man, sort of, I think. He's an avian of some kind. Um, he's sort of short-tempered and aggressive. Tries to kind of, you know, uh, he wants to kind of be his own uh, his own pilot. doesn't want to depend on you. Um, you've got Peppy Hare, who is good-natured and kind of moderate. He's like kind of the more neutral type of character. And then you've got Slippy Toad, who is kind of timid and like a bit befuddled most of the time and um seems to need my help a lot while flying i want to hear your best slippy impersonation uh well you don't have (laughs) you just you just just have those general sounds (laughs) 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 you see you do it you do it well already i know (laughs) how could i possibly top that (laughs) uh another character that you see is uh someone by the name of general pepper Mm-hmm. And he's the commander of the defense force, and he's also a, a dog. <laughs> or a dog man, perhaps. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, before I start the actual game proper, there's a training mode to try to sort of introduce the controls, and gives me like a short obstacle course to run through. And I tried it out, and I was able to fly through most of the, the challenges. There's like rings to go through, and, you know, like things to shoot. Um, but there's also a portion where you have to fly in formation with the rest of the squadron. And that was like a total joke. I was totally terrible at that. I could not figure out how to, how to mirror their moves. And luckily that wasn't something that was necessary for the, for the actual game. Um, the other ships are just moving way too fast and I don't know. I, I, I did also have the option to pick a different control scheme. And there's four different control schemes you can pick. So I did the training a couple of times just to try to try out the controls and see which one fit best. So I ended up uh, settling on control B. Okay. What is that, inverse? Uh, it's inverted controls, mm-hmm. like up is down and, and you know, down and There's is no up. analog because this is still in the days of digital Right, controls. we're just talking about a normal D-pad. So, yeah, flying game with analog, I mean with digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other change was that it puts the fire button on the, the B button, which is the lower button okay. on the D-pad. So I found that to be more comfortable. Uh, there's other controls that give you um, boosting or braking ability to either slow down or speed up your ship. Um, you also get a Nova Bomb, which is like the big 
you know, the big bomb. Like a smart bomb or something. Kind of, yeah. yeah. It just blows up a lot of stuff around your area and, you know, can, can damage, um, like, the stronger ships. And there's also an option to roll your ship left or right. And in combination... So you can, you can tilt your ship by moving the shoulder buttons left or right. Um, but you can also press L or R and, you know, move the D-pad to do, like, a full uh, barrel roll maneuver. Which uh, it becomes necessary sometimes. Um, so the game starts off on the planet Corneria, uh, which on the map is the planet in the lower left corner. Maybe that's why it's called that. I don't know. Uh, and there's three different pathways, which means really there's three different difficulty levels for the game. So depending on which level you play on, the game is uh, of varying difficulty and also takes you th- through a different path on the map. So you get somewhat different uh, courses along the way. Uh, so naturally, I start with level one, um, which takes me towards uh, the space armada. It was that's one of the that's one of the zones along the way. Uh, so after sort of this uh, short launch sequence, um, you know the other pilots check in. I get to sort of see the other characters in action. Uh, <laughs> there's actually three different views also that you can select during the playtime. So you've got a cockpit view, which is the default view in space, which is sort of like a first person view inside the ship. Um, there's the approach view, which is kind of very close up to the ship from the exterior, from behind the ship. And there's also what's called standard, <laughs> which is uh, a far view. And that's the default that you get when you're on uh, planet-based missions, because some of the missions you visit, you know, some of the planets in the system, too. And those can be switched with the select button, but I didn't really feel a need to change them during during the playthrough. Just I kept with the default? Just stuck with the default, mm-hmm. and that seemed to work just fine. That's because Nintendo knows what the best of you is. I, I think they made a wise choice mm-hmm. in this case. Yeah, so that actually worked for me. <laughs> Uh, there's power-up items that I find along the way. For example, there's a blue ring of triangles that kind of floats around, and that acts as uh, a checkpoint. And um, some enemies will also drop this yellow ring, which restore shield energy, because the ship has like limited shields. And sometimes there's a power shield, which grants this temporary invulnerability that you know lasts a short, short amount of time. Um, most of the time I was able to get them, but sometimes they're, I kind of shoot a target off to the side and they'll drop a ring, but I'm already moving on to like my next target. So I don't make it there mm-hmm. uh, quickly enough. Um, but most of the time I was able to keep my shields up at a good level. I didn't really feel that there was any shortage of that. Um, the wings of the ship also get damaged during the, the fight. So, uh, there's this star-like object that will... Summon what's called a wing gyro <laughs> that will fly in to restore the wings back to the ship to give it, you know, to put it back in, in full condition. Now, if the wings are already intact and you get one of those power ups, uh, what will instead will happen is the ship's laser, which is just normally like a single laser following from, firing from the center, that gets upgraded to what's called a twin blaster. And that just gives you, you know, two beams instead of one. And if you already have the twin blaster, that can be upgraded a second time to the Type B twin, which is an even more powerful version. Uh, there becomes more of like a ball energy instead of like a beam. 
so Nova Bombs can be picked up along the way, too, for a maximum of five total. And you don't get more than that if you find another one. Uh, so during the fight, I, I see messages from the other pilots. Sometimes they're asking for help. Sometimes they're complaining that I stole their shot, <laughs> you know, but whatever. I'm, if I see I have an enemy ship, I'm going to shoot at it. I think it's, doesn't it say that regardless or. I don't know if it's pre-programmed yeah, or if it's based on my actual actions. Uh-huh. I'm assuming it is. But I remember hearing that too when I would play. Yeah. And I was, I was constantly getting that, but. As it turns out, you do have to help them out when they mm-hmm. appear to be in trouble. Sometimes one of the ships will fly across your your view, and there'll be an enemy ship following them, and it'll be up to it'll be up to me to to destroy that enemy. Otherwise, their ship will take damage, you know, because they all have their own shield level too. Uh, so at the end of the level, each level, I'm given sort of a tally of all those shields of teammates, and I always notice Slippy is really. Like, he's always at, like, 50% or worse. <laughs> so... Is that Slippy's the frog? He's the toad, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I guess I'm, I kind of get bonus points based on what their level is at, too, I think. Uh, I didn't even really notice at first that I had to do that, but it took, it took probably until, like, the second or third level for me to, to see that happening. <laughs> um, so, in the game... Obviously, there's multiple stages, and each stage has this big boss encounter at the end, usually. And in this game, they're known as enemy force commanders. That's how the the manual refers to the various uh, boss-like ships. Um, and whenever I encounter one, pretty much there's always some weak spot on them, usually a glowing patch, and that's what I always shoot for. And... So, on all three levels, regardless of whether you're playing on level one, two, or three, um, you always start off on Corneria, flying over the surface. There's obstacles and between buildings you can go through. Um, enemies include these moth-like kind of ships. Um, sometimes you see giant robots walking by. They don't, they're not really attacking me, but they just seem to be kind of walking by, my, you know, minding their own business. But I end up shooting at them anyway, and uh, I'll get points for that. Um, there's saucers, there's, you know, general, you know, kind of enemies, but at the end there's, uh, something called the attack carrier. And to me, this thing kind of looked like a large, like sectional sofa, maybe like with like just lots of like, um, you know, just geometric shapes (laughs) kind of crammed together. Nothing like a sofa boss. (laughs) Yeah. You never know. (laughs) Uh, but it launches fighters out at me, and it wasn't too tough to beat on level one. Uh, on level two, the stage was pretty much the same. Felt maybe a little faster. Enemies were maybe a little more aggressive and, and more accurate. But I beat that same boss on level two even faster. So uh, I guess it wasn't too much of a challenge. Um, but on level three, this version of the planet looked a bit more red, and the boss encounter is with something called Destructor who is this large tank with these three cannons. And what happens is there's these saucers that lift off from its um, from the top of it and it reveals the cannon underneath. And then the, the saucers will fly around and try to protect the cannons. And they'll regenerate the cannon if you, you know, don't destroy the saucer. So uh, that was an interesting fight. But um, there's a lot of space-based zones as well. And those, a lot of times, are in, like, an asteroid belt or um, some special area that might have a a certain name to it. Sometimes it seems like they're in, like, um, 
maybe uh, like debris is there from like a previous space battle and I have to fly through that. Or, um, you know, it might be like, uh, like a construction area. It seems like, it's like I see like a lot of beams and stuff floating around in space. So I'm not really sure what the story is on a lot of these. I'm sure there's like, uh, maybe in later games that go into what, what the significance of some of these areas are. But for now it was, uh, it was just, you know, obstacles to get around. <laughs> I don't really know what the justifications were. Um, so for example, there's another boss called, uh, rock crusher. And this one kind of looks like, like roughly like a bow tie kind of a shape, but, uh, he's got these wings on the side. They look like waffle irons to me. And you have to like kind of shoot off the, <laughs> the different, uh, weak points on that. And, um, there's also, uh, you, you, I see this boss again on level two, but in a different sector this time, something, some place called sector X. And, um, not to be confused with in sector X. No, <laughs> you don't want to make that, that leap. No, no, there's a sector X there's a sector Y and there's even a sector Z. Mm. Exactly. Um, there's another section where it's called, it's called space armada. And here I'm told to destroy the energy cores of powerful battleships. And uh, all these space sections, like I said, are, they're all, they all happen in cockpit view. But in this, in this zone, quite unexpectedly, I end up flying into the center of one of the large ships and enter the interior of the ship. And I totally wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, that view then shifts into third-person view behind the ship. And I have to like avoid these obstacles and destroy the core very much like uh like what i would you know remember from like a death star battle um so this is this i feel was clearly inspired from uh from return of the jedi where you have to enter the death star definitely right and uh yeah destroy the uh the core inside um there's um another of the same type of ship this wasn't the the boss actually but uh Slippy says he's following me in on this one. And I'm like, wait a minute, is that supposed to inspire confidence? <laughs> like having Slippy as my backup? Uh, I, I'm a little skeptical. Uh, but there is a ship there where um, it's described as like a, a planet bomber. That's how the... Because the, the manual gives you like a little blurb on each boss. And it kind of gives you like sort of this descriptive sort of title to each one. And... Um, in this one, I have to like shoot the gates so that they open so I can get inside. And, um, each shot like kind of reverses the direction of the door. So there's like a little arrow on the door. And if you shoot it once, the arrow will point one way, but if you shoot again, it'll flip the arrow the other way. And you have to like shoot it once and then let it move up so you can, you know, then duck under it or go over it or whatever, whatever direction you end up flipping it onto. You don't want to shoot it repeatedly, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, there's some twisted pathways inside. Really impressive that, you know, they're able to do this kind of 3D animation, especially on the Super Nintendo. Uh, I mean, obviously, there is, like, additional hardware in this cartridge to help out on that kind of stuff. I mean, it really made the game possible. But um, it's still kind of impressive. Cool to see this on a 16-bit system. Would you say there, would you say there are some super effects on this game? <laughs> it's right on the sticker of the cartridge. So you, there's no doubt about it. Uh, so inside this, this ship is something called the atomic core. And this is another kind of like power reactor kind of a thing. This one's like spinning around and, uh, it's got these electrodes that rotate around it. And I have to kind of dodge the electrodes to make sure I don't get hit by that as it's spinning. 
Um, but I have to destroy each emitter. There's like emitters on the wall that are creating these beams. And uh, once I destroy all three, the core is exposed, uh, which tries to kind of fight back, but it's blown up pretty easily. And uh, there's another area called Sector Z, like I mentioned. That's on level three of the game. Um, A lot of spinning objects there. Um, At the end of that is Atomic Base 2, which is a harder version of that Atomic Core boss. And so they're already recycling bosses? Uh, in some cases, yeah. You do okay. fight like kind of stronger versions later on. And this one has the same kind of energy emitters on the wall, but they regenerate. And uh, they also send out like little probes or something, little defenders to, to kind of interfere with trying to, to you know, to destroy it, basically. Um, in Sector Y, <laughs> this, is, this, this occurs on level 2... Uh, in, in this one, you have you run into like space amoebas. So there's like amoebas that cling to the ship, and in that in that case, you have to like do the barrel roll maneuver to like shake them off. Yeah, that sounds annoying. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like floating jellyfish, mm-hmm. and they stick to me. They, they kind of remind me of the way the Metroids would like cling to you, and you have yeah. to like kind of like shoot them off to get them away from you. Same kind of thing. Um, there's like space stingrays floating around. So maybe there's like a whole like aquatic thing going on on this level. Uh, the boss is called Plasma Hydra, and it's pretty tough. It's like a starfish with, like, two long tentacles that have to be shot off before the body itself can be attacked. Um, similarly, in, like, Asteroid Belt on level three, um, there's enemies that shoot out these webs, and they're supposed to be tractor beams from the ships. Um, and similarly to those, you also have to do the roll maneuver to, to get rid of those. Uh, the boss there is called Blade Barrier, and that's like a space station. It has this um, spinning rotor in front of it that can deflect the shots. Like they can, they can actually deflect the shots back at the ship. So you have to kind of wait for it to not be spinning and then shoot whatever's behind the rotor. Um, that's not terribly difficult. It's just you just have to be patient enough to do it that way. Uh, there's also several stages that occur like on, on actual planets in the system. Um, for example, the first one I run into is called, uh, I believe, uh, Battle Base Meteor. And this is actually like supposed to be an artificial planet. Uh, I'm warned to use my retros if I'm going too fast. So that's where the braking maneuver comes into play. Um, this stage looks kind of cool. It looks like I'm flying over the surface at night and there's like a nebula and like a crescent planet in the background. I just really like the setting of this, this stage. Um, there's also, uh, columns and like rock formations to fly through until I get to this boss called dancing insector. (laughs) So maybe they, that's also borrowed from insector X. I don't know. This is a sort of a spider-shaped machine that flattens out into like a spinning saucer, and the legs kind of sp- like spin around, and I have to like pretty much just damage them all until they drop away to you know expose the body again. I notice on this stage, uh, Slippy's always kind of in front of me. Like uh, I get a warning, he says like, "Hey, it's me, Slippy." You know, like if I accidentally oh, shoot yeah. him, like that's how he lets me know. Like, Friendly hey, fire. Don't- yeah, right. Don't don't. <laughs> Don't shoot at me. Shoot at the shoot at the bad guys instead. Does he take damage if you shoot him? I never really noticed. Okay. Uh, I, I wonder if that's the case. 
Um, but at the end, he does say, like, remember not to shoot me. So he's yeah. pretty fixated on that whole concept. <laughs> Stop getting in my way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I say. Uh, Falco somehow always seems to have full health. I don't know. So maybe, you know, use him as a guideline. Uh, the next planet I end up on, uh, Planet Titania. And I'm told this is Corneria's, like, resource world. This is where, I guess, you know, they gather energy or materials. Um, I'm supposed to retake the weather control unit here. So you get a lot of uh, weather effects on this planet. First, it starts off kind of snowy, and then it turns into more of like a desert-like environment. Eventually, I fly through a mountain to encounter this really weird boss called Professor Hanger, which really just looks like a robot to me, I think. And like he's got a monitor on his face, and it just says bye-bye when you first run into it. Um, shoots out a lot of minions to fight while it kind of, while its health regenerates. Uh, and I think we're fighting like under like an elevated highway. So there's like the, there's like kind of like a strip overhead that kind of shifts as I move back and forth. Um, neat effect, but I don't think there was any real purpose to it. Uh, on another planet called Fortuna, uh, Andros has taken control of the creatures that are on this planet, really large creatures. I have to go get past these large killer bugs and plants and eventually end up over the ocean where there's like flying fish and sea serpents. So a lot lot of variety here too. Um, There's, it leads eventually to a desert where the boss lives. It's a two headed uh, beast called Monarch Dodora. (laughs) And I think this is a reference to one of Godzilla's like enemies, like King Ghidorah. Hmm which is very similar sounding to Monarch, <laughs> Dodora. Okay. Uh, it's got a tail that swings around, and it's like dropping eggs that might hatch into these creatures. And basically, I have to shoot the tail enough to shorten it, and uh, turn it turns around and starts breathing fire. And, um, of course, I just have to keep shooting at it until it explodes. <laughs> That's generally how you deal with any problems. Um, there's another world called Planet Macbeth, <laughs> And this has got a hollow interior that is being used as a base by uh, by Andros. Uh, it starts off underground, and I feel like it's very kind of volcanic. There's a lot of, um, you know, like the rock walls seem to be glowing uh, with heat. Uh, very difficult to navigate through this one. There's a lot of tight corners, and generally the, the, the frame rate of the game doesn't help a whole lot here because, you know, you know, it doesn't update that often, so all of a sudden you have to, like, make very sudden turns. Um... There's lava vents spewing rocks, and there's enemies on the ceiling dropping bombs. So uh, this one's pretty tough. The boss here is called Spinning Core, which is a large spinning top with missiles on its side. And um, you pretty much have to just shoot at the the, the tip of the top on the very bottom. Um, It's sort of protected by these spinning marbles that that kind of spin out and... um, you just have to shoot at it when the marbles aren't close to it. Um, all the paths eventually lead to the planet Venom, where the main, uh, you know, antagonist of the game is, is uh, you know, kind of made made his home there. And uh, each one has a different sort of pre-boss, so you have to fight this boss first before you get to him. And uh, those are usually defeated in orbit first, and then on the planet itself. So you have to fight that pre-boss twice, twice. usually, okay. 
before you get to face Andros himself. So on level one, uh, the encounter is with a boss called Fantron in orbit. Uh, at first, he kind of looks like a worm-like creature, but then it becomes more clear that what he's doing is he's using illusion duplicates behind him as he's moving. Uh, when I face him again on the surface, he's got more of like a, a mech mode. He's like kind of like a walker, sort of. Um, and among its attacks, it can launch its leg at me. <laughs> so it actually like can lift its leg up and shoot it towards the ship and mysteriously grows another one to replace it. So it's no, no loss for them. Um, on level two, the boss is called Metal Smasher. And it's like a pair of cups that tries to kind of crush my ship. So to, the way to avoid that is to just kind of hit the brakes right before it reaches me. So I kind of stop short and it misses. It also releases um, homing missiles several times. And when it finally blows up, there's a shuttle that's seen kind of escaping, you know, down to the planet. So on the planet, I'm flying along a tunnel, which is another really cool looking sort of stage. And that shuttle is the one that, that the one that escaped earlier is seen here and it's called Galactic Rider. And what it does is it drops off these um, air bikers on the road to kind of attack me while it's like moving back and forth. Um, it also has its own attacks. It drops these energy spikes on the road and it also stops short. It like, it's like brake, brake checking into me, you know, uh, which is kind of irritating. But you just have to keep shooting. And eventually when the door on the back of the shuttle opens up, that's when you can, that's when you can shoot it. Uh, on level three... There's what's called the final battleship, Great Commander. <laughs> and this one is very annoying. I have to um, basically avoid its attacks while the three components that make up this ship kind of assemble. So these three pieces are kind of floating around. And it seems invulnerable to any kind of fire until it kind of fully assembles itself. Um, but then what I have to do is I have to make like these strafing runs along the surface of this, this uh, ship and destroy these vents that are on the surface. Hmm. Uh, they're opening and closing, too. So even as I pick a side to kind of fly towards, the vent might close, and I have to kind of change sides very quickly to try to fake it out, <laughs> you know? Um, it appears on the surface again in more of like a humanoid shape, so the three pieces that make up this boss kind of rearrange themselves a little bit, and... Uh, Basically, I have to shoot it roughly where like its belly button would be, I suppose, is the weak spot. Um, it's, again, hurling these black marbles out. But uh, after that lower section is destroyed, it starts like swinging its arms around. And um, as long as I destroy the, the, the third ship, that's kind of the real, the real target. Destroying that kind of blows up the whole thing. At first, I thought I would have to destroy like all three sections separately, but that wasn't the case. Um, but each time after beating all of these various like pre bosses, as I call them, um, you see the R wing going into like this dive maneuver and it goes into this cone like structure where, you know, I have to fly through various obstacles and, you know, actually face Andros himself. And when I say that, I mean, literally a giant polygon face appears <laughs> in front of me <laughs> And, um, you know, very psychedelic, kind of colorful background. Mm -hmm. And it's spitting out these spinning tiles. Like, I, I don't know if they're, I don't know if, what they're meant to represent because 
it says, um, you know, in the in the little character description, it says like it, like Andros's like weapon is telekinesis. So I'm not really sure what he's spitting out, but I guess it's just like metal plates or something. Um, it's like so, the metal plates from Xevious, right? Uh, it looks a lot like that. Yeah, yeah definitely. And uh, my goal here, though, is to shoot into its eyes. So his eyes are gl- when his eyes are glowing, those are the weak spots that you have to try to hit. Um, but, you know, destroying all those plates that are spinning out at me in the meantime. Uh, after a round of that, what happens is he'll begin to inhale through his mouth. He'll, like, lean back and then open his mouth, and you see the ship getting sucked in towards him. But it never reaches him. It's just a way to, I don't know. It's just a way to, like... you lose control. I guess so, yeah. It kind of just resets the round. And um, basically, you just repeat that a few times. And finally, when both eyes are shot out, that's when he's destroyed... A roti- or this rotating cube appears, which has the face of Antros, like on it, but not that same face, but just the face of the actual, the actual person this time. Uh, just have to shoot the the you know the, the cube a bunch of times. On level one, it's very easy. It only takes maybe one shot to blow it up. Um, on level two, the fight is mostly the same, but I just have to repeat the fight several times. It seems like it just takes a lot longer to kill him. Um, and when the cube is vulnerable, when, when the cube emerges, it's only vulnerable, like, for a couple of seconds, and then it spins around again, and the face reforms, so it takes, like, several several chances to, to do it. On level three, it's kind of the same, but one of the face forms looks like a demon with horns, so mm-hmm. it's like the face come, becomes a completely different face. Um, but either way, you know, basically, this is, the fight is more or less the same each time. Uh, there's also a few secret stages in the game. Okay, how do you uh, get those? Uh, so there's one of them is called the, the black hole. It shows up on the map as just a black hole area. Based on the Disney classic? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I don't think so. This one um, is accessed by going through one of the asteroid belts on level one and shooting like a certain specific um, series of orange asteroids in the center, and what that does is that causes like a warp to appear, and you go to the black hole zone when that when that shows up. And basically, those are just shortcut warps. They'll take you to Sector X or Sector Z, or directly to Venom on level one. Um, there's also another one called Out of This Dimension, and that one this one's not even on the map at all. Hmm. And this one is more of an Easter egg um, because what ends up happening is if you go to this stage. The, you can't finish the game proper. Like, what happens is it's kind of like a fake ending for the game. Um, this is a really weird stage. and Basically, what you do is you go on level 3, and in another one of these asteroid zones, you destroy a very large asteroid, which releases an egg. And what happens is the egg hatches, and this large phoenix-like bird comes out. Um, and by flying into the bird, into its chest, it warps to this very strange zone... Everything is like, like all wavy in the background. Um, there's like weird images, and it's playing like uh, a waltz from like uh, Strauss, <laughs> like as the music. Um, there's pieces of paper that are floating around that fold themselves into paper airplanes and start attacking my ship. Uh, there's a boss here too, who's a giant slot machine. <laughs> oh, this is very like sur- surreal. Yeah, it's of... just silly, you know. Okay. I didn't really play this one for too long. Uh, you think that was like leftover concepts from when the programmers were testing out 
like polygon builds and stuff? I think they were just being, you know, goofy. Goofy, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had to reset the game to go back and, oh, really? and play it over. Okay. To, you know, to play to play level three normally. Mm-hmm. This one's accessible through level three. Okay. Um, so I get some statistics and a montage of the bosses at the end. Um, the credits presentation, I feel it was very cinematic, you know, very, um, I don't know if that was what they were going for, but it was very reminiscent of Superman, the movie, like the way the credits kind of swoop in and like leave like a motion trail behind, um, had that, had that style to it. And, uh, like I said, overall, very impressive feat for the Super Nintendo. Um, it does make me wish the game had a better frame rate though. I felt like it kind of chugged a bit in some portions. It's a bit rough. I was wondering, that's why I was wondering, like for 1992, it was, you were, you were able to deal with it because the technology was so cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, before Star Fox, I don't remember too many polygon games other than like iRobot. And that was like 82 or something, or 81, whatever that was. Mm. So, I mean, maybe Star Wars um, arcade game, right? Yeah, but that's Vector. Vector. But yeah, but it's used like that, you know, it looked, that same look. It kind of gave you that same feeling, yeah. So, technology-wise, that looked really good, but the frame was rough. But, I, I, you know, for the time, you were like, well, this is acceptable because no one does, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have a high-end computer. So, for a console, that looked great. Sure. But now, that might not look so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought it was, um, I would have liked a little more freedom of, of movement, too. Yeah. I thought that, you know... Stuck on those rails. <laughs> a little bit too much. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe some of the subsequent games fix some of that. Um, but in terms of the music, it's pretty much what I would expect from, you know, like a well-produced SNES game. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's good if you like the Rompler sound. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, good deal of voice samples in the game, too. You hear... Uh, a voice saying good luck uh before each mission it's the same voice isn't it uh it's funny because the voice has a little bit of attitude too it's almost mm. like uh it's almost like he wants to say good luck you'll need it you know like a little bit of a mocking tone i detected but i mean that's just me <laughs> um I should mention the game was developed by Nintendo EAD, which means uh, Nintendo Entertainment Analysis and Development. This was the name of one of their internal studios, essentially, um, you know, what Shigeru Miyamoto, like, developed his games under. Um, So it was, you know, kind of produced at Nintendo headquarters, uh, led by Shigeru Miyamoto. You know, like, there were... You know, Nintendo kind of supervised the the production of the game, but the people who actually programmed the game were a, a team of British programmers from a studio called Argonaut Games from uh, North London. Basically, they had pitched the idea of doing this type of game to Nintendo, and they developed like the whole story and the the concept to go around it. Um, they had experience with 3D games previously. Um, they had developed the 1986 game called uh, Star Glider, and it's 1988 sequel. Star Glider on was that an arcade game? So or? that was originally developed Computer? as Atari ST and okay. Amiga. Okay. Um, so those were the lead platforms, and then it was eventually ported to PC and some mm. other game, uh, systems too. Um, but Argonaut also developed the Super FX chip used in the cartridge to enable 
the Super Nintendo to do 3D polygon graphics like this. So they sort of said, you know, we can develop the technology that would will enable the you system don't need to do this. A 32-bit console. You can just put a special chip in your cartridge. <laughs> well, this was well before any of that anyway. I don't know about that. Uh, this... I, I think actually the argument was you don't need CD technology. Mm. Okay, that That's could what, be. The Donkey Kong Country was in response to a 32-bit console. Right. But Star Fox was in response to the Sega CD. Uh, okay. I and I guess see it's time maybe the Sony CD, I don't know. Yeah. Well, basically, um, you know, they, they sort of said, you know, they, they showed us sort of a demo saying, you know, here's... Because he, initially they had demoed this game uh, using NES hardware. Really? But... But basically, this was at the time when Nintendo said, we've got this other thing coming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and they gave them, like, the Super Nintendo system to work with. Okay. And, uh, yeah, the original demo was called NES Glider, because they took wow, the Star Glider that, concept. Huh. I wonder if that must be available. Um, I don't know. It was kind of just an internal check. demo. It hmm. wasn't released or anything. Hmm. Um, but yeah, basically, Argonaut went on to do uh, the Croc series of games. You might know... Uh, Croc that was released on PlayStation and Saturn. I'm a big fan, but yeah, I mm-hmm. played those. Uh, you might also have known that those games were originally pitched to Nintendo as a 3D Yoshi game. Yeah. But Nintendo decided, mm, thanks, but we're going to go in a different direction. Yeah. And, that, and then they came out with, you know, Mario 64 <laughs> instead. Okay. All right. Or Yoshi's Island, maybe. Uh, well, I mean, so this was a 3D platformer. Yeah, yeah. In the style of Mario so 64. I see. Because so, Yoshi wasn't in Mario 64, was he? No. Okay. Well, I, all right, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any case, uh, basically, they went on to rework the yeah. game from a Yoshi game into their own into their own line. So they so they weren't in charge of stunt race FX. They were. Oh, okay. They did that too. They did. That was a, a horrible, horrible game. Yeah, some of them weren't great. Vortex, which also had the stunt the FX chip. Basically, they were experienced in working with these with this chip. So, notice the frame rate. Just the the pro- if the if that technology was on the Genesis, it would have looked fantastic because <laughs> the processor on the Genesis was so powerful it could handle <clears throat> that. You know, just this, the core processing power. Well, there, this the SNES was just too slow. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess I guess in a lot of cases, a lot of the special effects were done with this extra chip, and this was you know the first version of it. There was an FX two chip yeah, that right. some of the games used. Yeah. Um, you know, Sega did eventually respond by doing the DSP based you know virtual racing on genesis yeah. that was kind of their only game that used something like that yeah we'll put a chip in a car too yeah but 99 dollars. They, they decided to do that too yeah. um it's funny too that one of the lead programmers that worked on this game mm-hmm. uh, someone by the name of dylan cuthbert uh stayed on at nintendo even after this project was done and uh even did the star fox 2 game that was going to be released but ended up ultimately getting canceled yeah. okay um Basically, that was pretty much completed, and it could have been released by the end of 1994. But because Nintendo was kind of re- preparing for the release of the N64, they decided we're gonna we're gonna shift our 3D focus on that system. I've ever seen screen pics, like um, stills of it, an EGM or something, mm-hmm. and thinking, "Oh, this is gonna be good." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never came out. No, but there are ROMs floating around, and people have tried to put the game into a, like a working mm-hmm. state because. Okay. Um, I don't think there was... Uh, originally, the Japanese version was completed, and then I, I'm not sure 
where that left like a US version, but I'm pretty sure you could find one if you look around. <laughs> um, Dylan Cuthbert, after he left Nintendo, stayed in Japan and formed a new studio called Q Games in 2001. They actually worked on the Star Fox games for the Nintendo DS and also the Pixel Junk series of games. So there is a connection there to some degree. Hmm. I didn't know that. Um, so if you want to buy a copy of this game on original cartridge, they're pretty common. They're not hard to get. A loose Star Fox cartridge is about 5 to $10. That's pretty typical uh, on eBay. Um, even for a complete version, 15 to 30 seems co- common. For complete? Okay, yeah. inbox and everything? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty common game? Yeah, not hard to get. Did you like this game? Uh, I liked it visually. I thought it could have controlled better, but maybe I should have started mm-hmm. with Star Fox 64 if that's what I wanted. <laughs> you know, I think that's supposed 64 to... 64 is a better game controlling and graphically, but the original had some more personality, I think. Mm. I see. I like that end boss with the face. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> well, the other thing is that I feel like in like level one is very easy. You can play the game and it's it's almost like a straight walkthrough. Uh-huh. Um, the game starts to get a little more challenging on level two. It's kind of, you know, I would consider like the normal uh, skill level. But then level three, things would get very hectic and, and kind of unfair almost. Uh, especially the, the, the space uh, segments. I find it very difficult to to keep up with, you know, avoiding everything and not taking damage yeah. a lot. So, I guess, you know... I it was- liked it. Uh, I thought it was good. It was one of the few games mm. I actually bought new for the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And I think that it did get old pretty fast. It felt like after one or two playthroughs, like, I lost interest in that game. And, and the excitement of of the graphics of what it was trying to do at the time sort of wore off pretty mm-hmm. quick. And I don't remember going back to it much mm-hmm. after like the initial couple playthroughs. Okay. Uh, hmm. I do. I do like this style of game though. Yeah, me too. Um, it reminds me of a little space Harrier where, you know, you're behind the ship and, you know, you get to the boss and the game kind of like, yeah, you sort of stop moving and you've got to plan your strategy and stuff. Mm hmm. I wouldn't mind to see another Star Fox game that's done like that, right. that doesn't involve a, a wacky controller. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, supposedly Star Fox 2, the, the unreleased game, yeah. fixes a few things and make, does a few things differently. Uh, I've never tried it personally, so i got to see what that's like. Um, I should also mention the Super Weekend competition cartridge that was done. This was, which was a special version of uh, of Star Fox. Uh, there was a contest hosted by Nintendo Power Magazine, and um, there were locations all over the country where you can go and play. And I think this was held um, the weekend of April thirtieth of nineteen ninety three, and approximately two thousand cartridges were made for this competition. Huh. So those are floating around in collectors' hands. Yeah, I've never seen that. Uh, I have no idea what. They're worth, I guess, they're worth whatever you're willing to pay for one. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't aware of it at yeah. the time, and I was pretty into all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But, you know, obviously not sold at retail. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of it for this game. Yeah. 
Pretty short game, yeah. Not terribly long. I mean, especially if you only play one level, it's pretty quick. Mm -hmm. But to play all of them, maybe two hours. Right. If you can survive. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So, not bad. All right, cool. I'll probably try another one at some point. Mm -hmm. How about any pickups this week? I do have a quick pickup to mention. I had a feeling. (laughs) You had a feeling. I don't think you bring it with you. To show me, did you? I did. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. So this is a new homebrew game that I picked up. I didn't know you buy homebrew games. Well, I do on occasion. I'll do old stuff, but this is more... This is Would for... Is more tur- modern? I don't know. This is for the TurboGrafx-16. It's weird that I, I'd see that as a modern homebrew game, even though <laughs> it is no... Really, not that much older than... Uh-huh. Uh, or, or it's newer than an Atari or Genesis or... Well... This is, uh, you know, I guess, um, this is, uh, this is a newer made game. I mean, uh-huh. this was made in 2012. Um, this is called Mysterious Song and it's by a homebrew developer called Frozen Utopia. Okay. That cover artwork is mm, not great. <laughs> it's not really to my liking. Probably better when I could anything I could do. That's but. I was gonna say I, I'm not capable of doing anything like it's, it's this. It's a little rough, but uh, otherwise it is a nicely produced game. I mean it's a it's a pressed CD. It's not a CDR. No, it looks like a professional store copy. Um, it's just the artwork I think makes it look like a homebrew. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it doesn't. It's got a like, nice full color manual. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, it's only like eight pages, but no, it's full color though. But it's basically uh, you know it's an RPG. It's like a PC Engine game. Um, mm-hmm. It Not does fu- a Hue card. No, no, it is a CD. Uh, basically, I got this for $20 directly from the developer. They mm-hmm. had a sale on eBay. They put, like, 50 copies up for sale, and I grabbed I grabbed one. I see your fingerprints now on the booklet. You do, right? Yeah. My, uh... My, it's, uh it's a big smudge thumbprint. It's not smudged, but it, it does leave some residue. <laughs> That's no, on the other side. <laughs> I never opened it. <laughs> well, at any rate, this was, uh, like I said, released in 2012, so uh, it is, I think, still available. Mysterious Song. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. This is a conversion of a PC game that was originally released in 1999, uh-huh. and that was also a homebrew. Um, and you've been following this the whole time, waiting for this TurboGrafx copy to go on sale, and finally you heard about it and you jumped on it, right? You, uh... I think you're. Is it finally after all these years? You're spinning a uh, tall tale. <laughs> no, nothing like that. So, what was your interest in buying? This? Uh, it was on sale for twenty bucks. So, oh. so I figured, let me, let me, let me. It's just a good bargain. Yeah, I, I, I guess I wasn't aware of it when it first came out. I wasn't really following the homebrew scene. Is, on. So it's an R- top-down RPG. Pretty much. Okay. Traditional-looking RPG. Mm. My favorite. Yeah, I know. You'll definitely be borrowing this one, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, so that was it. I just wanted to uh, mention uh, that it's uh, it's up there. I guess if anybody cool. else yeah. wants one, I, that's some. Well, yeah, I, I feel like TurboGrafx homebrews are not something I hear people talking a whole lot about. Right. Exactly. It's or uh, it doesn't get enough attention compared to some of the NES mm-hmm. and maybe Atari twenty six hundred homebrews. Yeah, there's way them. way more of those. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, cool. Calling them less. I'm gonna okay. check it out eventually. Perfect. Who knows? I'll add it to my pile of. RPGs that I might play someday. <laughs> we get tested to make sure it works. <laughs> right. Uh, so, I guess uh, before we wrap up this extended episode, mm-hmm. 
I've got one quick piece of feedback to okay. Let's to mention. Let's jam it in there. We've got uh, uh, some comments from Greg Pollander, who specifically commented on uh, a lot of the things that we talked about. But the one thing I wanted to respond to was he talked about the uh, the Xbox gamer tags mm. being re-released or older gamer tags being recycled. Yeah. Uh, so he says, uh, one of those recycled Xbox gamer tags I'm sure was mine. Since I first got online with Prodigy back in 1983, I've always used some form of Soul Blazer. Prodigy, huh? Mm. Going way back. <laughs> it goes back. Uh, not because I love the game, in reference to the name Soul Blazer, uh, it's a decent uh, SNES action RPG game by Enix, but because I love the name and how cool it sounds. So I had Soul Blazer on the Xbox, but when I got my Xbox 360 about 10 years ago, I couldn't carry over the name for some reason. Technical glitch, as I recall. So I just made a new one. I would have thought they would have recycled my name a long time ago. Yeah, I would have thought so. Uh, so we went on that website right on xbox.com yeah and checked for gamer tag availability mm-hmm. and we popped in soul blazer just out of curiosity just to yeah. see and soul blazer as one word or two words were both claimed to be taken yeah so i guess uh they're not but available you could take bid soul blazer for some reason <laughs> yeah. i don't know why that's an alternate option that they give you i guess these are just random suggestions yeah uh, I tried a few other names, too, just to see what was mm-hmm. available. Uh, the one that I would like to use is is also Taken. <laughs> right, which is kind of obscure in itself. I, would be, I was surprised. Yeah. But... Uh, My name was Taken. Mm-hmm. Well, the name I... Like, if I was going to choose an alternate name... Right. That was gone. Yeah. But if I put a space in between the word, it was there. Okay. So you think you might change it? No. <laughs> I don't know, I hardly even use it. Like, what do, you, what do I need this for? Just uh, for consistency or just because you want to? That's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm okay with what I have. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I, I have different names on almost everything. Mm-hmm. I don't have any kind of... Well, that's like so that goes back to his point, which I've mentioned before also. The name I chose was a name I've used since my AOL days. So mm. In 93, I chose America Online instead of Prodigy uh-huh. or CompuServe. Sure. So, I wasn't on any of those. So somehow. I had the AOL email name, which I picked, and I talked about, like, you know, why, why I picked that. Mm-hmm. So that's the name I used for a lot of my gamer tags and stuff mm-hmm. all these years later. Now I, I kind of switch it off a little bit because it's been so long. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I don't know. I'm used to it. Mm. Yeah, I guess I'm not that particular about it, so... I'll just keep yanking up new ones, I suppose. You were already on, like, broadband in 1994. <laughs> uh, like, AOL. Pfft. No. You know, it's funny. I was never on any... AOL, you mean? <laughs> I, I never signed up for any of that stuff, because by then I was already working, and I always had internet access through the VPN connection to my office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was always using my, my, uh, my, wor- my work access as my ISP. Even at home? At home. Through a landline? You could do that? Through dial-up, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't get broadband until probably about 1999. Yeah, I think that's when I got it, too. Um, it just wasn't available. At least, I, not that I knew of. I knew of DSL, but... Yeah. Well, I... I my I, parents paid for the phone, so I didn't have to deal with anything. I had stuff. my own line. I ended up getting DSL back then. 
but it was through a third party. It wasn't through the phone company. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good for a while, I suppose. Okay. But even the even that, I didn't really, I didn't really have like any kind of like screen handle or anything like that. I just kind of always stuck to um, whatever whatever was in my head at the time, <laughs> you know. That's it. I guess we'll uh, call it an episode again. Yes. All right. So please visit us on Facebook. Uh, we're at Our Book and Bites. And uh, also obbfeedback at gmail.com. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. All right. Bye.